Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am your host, Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter, at Loafinit on Twitter. And of course, I am bringing in the legend himself, John Frisella. How you doing today, Johnny? Good morning and good afternoon, my friend. How are you? How's everything over there, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere, as we like to say around here? How's everything going over there? It is not in the middle of nowhere. I am here in southern... The southern part of the world where it is nice and beautiful. Actually, today it's raining a little bit, but I'm very excited today. And I know you don't you don't pay attention a lot to SEC football, even though it's all, it's really like an NFL minor league system is what the SEC is at this point. I think you could agree with me on that with how many first round draft picks there are and how many studs in the NFL come from the uh, from the SEC. Yeah, absolutely true. What do you have on the schedule today? What uh, what games are you looking at and what's got your attention? So, to, well, there's really just one. I, I, well, there's a lot of college football that has my attention, but there's one game in particular that has my attention. You know, Alabama and Auburn. You know, that's the Iron Bowl, right? And that's a big rivalry. But right. what you guys, what you guys may not know up there in the north, is that this week Alabama versus Tennessee is a very big rivalry as well. Now, Alabama, of course, is you know the upper echelon of every football class there is, and as you sit on in the biggest house on the highest hill in the best neighborhood, woo! you'll end up always being a rivalry to every single team that plays you. But to this week, it is Alabama versus Tennessee. And do you know what that week is called around here? What do they call that? Hate week. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's so many rivalries in college football. You know, they're, they're playing for the bison horn here and they're, they're playing for the golden gopher trophy there or something. You know, they're always got those rivalry games. This one, this one is no catchy thing. It's, it's not trying to get everybody's attention because it's just called one thing. Hate week. That's all it is between the two schools. <laughs> we, you know, we really don't have that here. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting point that we bring up. It's like, a lot of people that come from my area in New York, um, the team that they watched as a kid was Notre Dame, even though it's not a New York college school, because we don't have big college football here. It's just not the nature of the beast. Um, so a lot of people grew up watching Notre Dame on national television. Um, as far as the local teams go, there's like Rutgers in New Jersey, right? There's, there's really not a lot out there. I went to UConn. When I was there, it was a good program. It's kind of tapered off since then. Dan Orlovsky, you know, and a lot of those guys that went to the NFL – and since then, they haven't been farming out players. So it's totally different. Like, we don't have that experience. So the like rivalries here, the biggest one, to be honest, is probably in hockey. It's probably the Islanders and the Rangers because they play in the same division. Whereas, like, the Mets and the Yankees play in different leagues. The Jets and the Giants play in different conferences. So our rivalries here are totally different. We don't really have that college aspect where I'm from. Oh, boy. And this one is fun, too. Like, the winning team, uh, you end up end – up- the winning team ends up smoking a cigar in the like the locker room, or and all the fans end up sneaking a cigar into the stadium, and they'll light them up there at the end of the game. Which Alabama's won several of these games in a row, especially since Nick Saban has been there. Uh, and so it's just really a fun week to be able to watch this game. And and I think that Alabama, I think it's a 21, maybe a 22 point spread at this point, and they should be able to cover that one pretty easily. They're going to get that uh, that quarterback for Tennessee just riled up and not being able to make very good decisions. There there have been a couple, I wondered this week if you knew a couple of names from Hate Week's great plays, great players uh, that I thought of in Alabama history. One of them, and I wanted to see if you just knew these two names, David Palmer. Do you remember David Palmer? David Palmer. Is he a quarterback? 
It, well, that's the interesting thing. He was actually a wide receiver for Alabama, and uh, the tradition is the the fastest wide receiver gets to wear, or the fastest player on the team gets to wear the number two for Alabama because they're the fastest one. Don't ask me why. And he always wore number two, and he was just a really fast player for Alabama, and he was a great return specialist. Ended up playing for Minnesota for a couple of years. Didn't really do a lot of things in the NFL, but I'm sure there are some Minnesota Viking David Palmer highlights. Very fun to watch. I know I'm going to be watching that a little bit later. One of the great and interesting things, facts about David Palmer, is we had a quarterback get hurt in that Tennessee game, and David Palmer ended up being a quarterback back there. <laughs> for us because we were just shorthanded but he didn't really throw a lot of passes but it was kind of like that it, it was what we kind of see today as far as a quarterback goes very athletic a lot of athleticism and it was just the threat of the pass that allowed him to be able to run the ball not a lot of statistics that day but all of us Alabama fans were like wow David Palmer's playing quarterback and he's a he was a short guy it, it's a great highlight you got to go back and watch that one just just a great one I do and kind th- of vaguely remember having a David Palmer card because I collected sports cars as a kid. That's about all I remember about him. But, you know, it's funny, the evolution of how you can have a guy like that who was there as an emergency, right? Right. So they're going to do a lot of running plays, or maybe they'll hand the ball off if he's able to do that. Um, But they're going to keep it pretty conservative. But then in the NFL, it kind of, and also in college, it kind of evolved to the wildcat. That was like the next step. It was like, okay, we're going to put the running back back there Mm -hmm. sometimes. Sometimes we're going to go with the backup quarterback or the starting quarterback can run fake the handoff. Maybe we run it a bunch of times, then we go deep once. So that was kind of the next evolution. Now the evolution is your team really isn't that competitive. If you have a full pocket quarterback, your quarterback better be able to run. And a good example right now is the Cardinals, because I've seen Kyler now two weeks in a row and he's dominating games, but he's really not throwing the ball that often, to be honest with you. As a matter of fact, I want to point out this past game uh, that they won pretty convincing against the Cowboys. Kingsbury actually was pissed on the sideline because Kyler missed a couple of throws over the middle because he took off and run instead. So you, you're, that's that's to the point it's gotten where your best quarterback, one of the best in the league right now, especially for fantasy purposes, he's not even looking to throw. He he drops back there, he sees an opening, he takes off, even if his receiver's wide open. So it's a, it's a, a long evolution from where it was just a novel idea that somebody could run the ball back there, take the snap, and then run it. Now it's like, okay, your quarterback better be able to do that or you're going to be in trouble. And that is speaking to that. It's a copycat league, right, in the NFL. And one of my questions mm-hmm. going into this season was, are, how many quarterbacks saw what Lamar Jackson did last year and want to do the same thing? You know, because mm-hmm. let's face it, if you, if you were a quarterback and you're always the guy, now all of a sudden you've got to get into a system and follow a system. But then you see Lamar Jack- Jackson's success last season, and you're like, you know, I, I could do that too. So in the back of your head, maybe you do start thinking, run first rather than pass because there's less options for or or there's there's less possibilities for error if you just go ahead and take the ball and take it take the game into your own hands that's a great point because that's exactly what happened so they the, in that particular game with the cardinals and the cowboys um they gave a good shot of what kyler saw from when he took the snap so what he saw was christian kirk running a slant pattern going over the middle, and he had about a step and a half on his defender. So to me, that's wide open at the NFL level. But at the same time, he's looking to his left where the pattern was being run. He's seeing Christian Kerr take his defender away from the line of scrimmage. It was kind of a shallow route. So he, you could say, well, I could throw it, but if I throw it behind him, we have a possibility of error. If I run it, 
He's already taking his defender away. I'm going to run it right into the same open space, and there's no way I can turn the ball over unless I fumble. So that's a really good point. That's exactly what he saw. He was like, it's probably safer for me to just run it here, especially with the lead the way it was. But Kingsbury was upset because he wants his quarterback to develop. So that that's the you have to find that line. You have to mix and match, which is what the greats really do, like Russell Wilson and Mahomes. Notice Mahomes lately, by the way. Early in the game, they're going to throw, throw, throw. Last game, it was raining with the Bills. They ran the ball a lot. But for Mahomes himself, he's not going to take off and scramble until late in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. So he saves it up. And Russell Wilson does the same thing. So you, you can't be doing that all game forever. Eventually, your legs are going to get tired. Uh, you know, you're going to get a little bit older. So the key is, over time, finding that balance between the two. Kyler sure does look fun, though, whenever he's running the ball. He's got that little stutter step. I wish he would just go ahead and go full-blown Walter Payton, you know, and, and high-step it instead of just a little stutter step that he has. But, but you said it early in the year. He looks like he's gliding out there, like he's not, not even touching the ground. He's just so fast. His feet go so fast, man. It's fun to watch. And speaking of running quarterbacks, I think this past Thursday in our fit picks, J.B. Barry ended up picking the New York Giants. You talk about somebody's legs who got a little bit heavy towards the end of that run, <laughs> Daniel Jones. Now, now look, and and I, I'm not trying to pile on the guy. I mean, just a great play, a great run, and unfortunately, there were some bad results on that, and it's going to end up being a, a, a play that'll last in his uh, highlight reel forever, probably. But uh, I want to know what he was thinking about what what he ended up falling somewhere around the five yard line, I think. Yeah, he fell about around. It was maybe just outside of there. And uh, unfortunately, why is it that every time there's a low light like this, it's somebody on a New York team, right? It's either it's Mark Sanchez with a butt fumble. Now, let me tell you, the same weekend, we had a play where Joe Flacco took a 30-yard loss. Wes, I'm watching with my wife on the couch. I, I'm like in disbelief. I fell on the floor laughing at my own team. He drops back to pass their in field goal range. He goes over his right shoulder. The guy chases him. He turns over his left shoulder. He goes the other way. The entire time, he's running straight backwards. He never even tried to go forwards. By the time they get him, he's already out of steam. He falls on the ground for a 35-yard loss. So you got the butt fumble. You got Flacco going back 30 yards. You got Daniel Jones falling down with nobody around him. I mean, what? we, we can't win a game over here. I don't know what's going on. Daniel Jones, the, the part I find the, the funniest is – I put myself in his shoes at that point because I've ran before and I've either gone downhill and just you're a little off balance or something. And you just at some point you're like, I'm not going to save this. I am falling, you know, and you're trying to save it a little bit. You're trying to get your trying to get your body all straightened up the best you can. But it's just it's inevitable that you're going to fall. And, and somewhere around the 15 yard line, you can kind of see his his feet and his body just getting tangled up there as he's running. And I, I he had to be going, oh, no. I'm going to fall. How do I straighten this out? Next thing you know, he's just eating turf. Boy. Not, not only was he going to fall, he's going to fall on national television <laughs> in a close game where they're kind of playing for first place, right? Because that division yeah. is in shambles. And he's facing the Megatron. He's facing the, the thing where he could see himself falling. Like, oh. I mean, it can't get any worse than this. Maybe and he was looking at it while he ran. He's look. He's watching himself fall. And the worst part of it is uh, he's already struggling with the idea, you know, with the turnovers, with the interceptions and the fumbles. So now you have a play where you didn't even turn it over, and it's still an embarrassment. So it's just an embarrassment of riches. Overall, he played a pretty decent game uh, in that particular game. I think he got 18 or 19 fantasy points for our coaches out there. Um, but, you know, just a tough moment, especially when you end up losing the game in a division rivalry by one point. That just makes it that much worse. It, it certainly does. And J.B. Barry ended up picking those Giants. And I can't say I blame them. You know, I, I had the Giants winning a lot more games this season what, than what they're going to end up winning. They seem to be 
they seemed really close last year. And, man, they seem like they have been a, close to winning a couple of games this year. And just the breaks are not going their way this year. Evan Ingram dropping that pass. Evan Ingram's just – he's playing kind of soft. I wish he would get into an MMA ring or something and, and just really get angry or mad while he's out there on the on the field. There was a defensive back that ended up having a pass, um, uh, a, a, what, what do you call it? a pass foul, a pass interference call in the right. end zone on him from like five yards away. And mm-hmm. it just seemed to me like Evan Ingram could have manned that little fella up and just caught the ball and said, get out of my way, little fella. Instead, he let the guy drape all over his his back and knock the ball out and, and ended up going the pass interference. I wish Evan Ingram would just, like I said, toughen up out there a little bit. It seems to me like he's playing very tentative it seems to me like that whole team is playing very tentative and when a team plays tentative instead of aggressive like the Philadelphia Eagles did you end up on the losing side and having a lot of weird mistakes happen to you unlike the Philadelphia Eagles who go out and grab a game and win a game with Carson Wentz as their leader with nobody else on that field that can actually keep up with any other NFL team it seems like well, a couple of things there. Number one is that, are you tipping your cap to me now? So you're seeing what I say about the Eagles? I've said it time and time again. This, first of all, this team is snake bitten. It must be something about the green jerseys between the Eagles and the Jets with all the injuries they get every single year. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, these guys play for Doug Peterson. When they feel like they're at a breaking point and things could get out of control, they could spiral out of control. They find a way to turn it around. And I told you that's what it is because you were talking before the season There's no way they're going to make the playoffs, this and that, too many injuries. I think it's time they're over the hill. But the point is, over the course of the year, when they get in those tough moments, they just find a way to grind it out. There's nothing, there's no magic about it. They're just grinding it out. They're tougher than the other team. So I take that as an apology for you attacking uh, the style. No, I'm not apologizing. And yes, they may win. (laughs) They they may end up making the playoffs because they can win that division with five wins. Okay. So they (laughs) might be able to make the playoffs. The Dallas Cowboys are a much better team than that, it seems like, until Dak Prescott went down. I mean, I, I, look, I, they may win more games. If we were talking about win-loss totals for Vegas, right. and right. I was always trying to stick within three games of the win-loss total of a, a good Vegas play, and I just thought the Philadelphia Eagles weren't going to match their Vegas win total, which I think was at 9.5. I think on the fit pick thing, wherever I posted all those, I ended up flipping those around or something because I, I said that they would only win four games right. uh, instead of the the 7.5 or the 9.5 or something like that, and I thought that, that was going to be a pretty good play. So far, I think I am looking more right than wrong. I am total, I, I totally lost the giant one, though. Yeah, you lost the giant one, but you're right about that. The win total is looking pretty good. You know, it's funny. We could end up both being correct because you may end up with a low total there from the Eagles, but they may win the division anyway, and then it's possible once you get in there, they can make a run in the playoffs. So you never know when you get a situation like that. But let me back up to what you said about Evan Ingram. Yeah. Uh, one of my best friends for my whole life, his name is Sam. His, his saying is, he has an old saying, anybody could be nice, right? There's nothing spectacular about being nice. Anybody can do that. It's, the, it's not like something that's a standout quality. Um, and there's in my saying that I always say back, I say, yeah, that's true. That's true. My saying back is, no matter what people say or what they think, you can't change people. It's, it's just, it's, I've seen it time and time again in every walk of life, and that goes back to Evan Ingram. That's exactly what I think. Evan Ingram has been getting by on his athleticism and his size and his physical gifts for his whole career, whenever that started in his younger days up till now. And you can't change the fact, you can't make him into a tough player now, right? You, you can't make him into a guy who has talent and then also has that physicality. Like, let's say, for example, like Gronk in his prime, right? Gronk in his prime, yes, he was one of the biggest and the strongest guys, but he also was an extremely hard worker. 
That's just the nature of the style and the way that he was always. Uh, Evan Ingram's the opposite. Evan Ingram's all polish, right? It's all, it's not, there's no gritty. There's no toughness there. And you're not going to change that about him. So I, you said you wish you could get him in there and toughen him up in MMA. It doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. In a week, he'll still be the same guy. Wow. Interesting. Interesting points of view there. Now, look, we're going to get to a lot of, oh, we're going to get to every NFL game against the Vegas spread. And we always talk about that here. We also give you a lot of DFS nuggets along the way, start sit questions along the way. And not to mention that, but we may even highlight some of our fit picks. You can find those fit picks that we've been doing each and every week. The fit crew make uh, pick every single game. So if you're in, I don't know, you call it a pool all the time, like a win-loss pool. It's not against the spread. It's just straight up winners, right? Right, right. So they, there's a, obviously there's a bunch of different pools you can be in. A lot of the pools have it with the spread. I know for a fact I have a number of friends who will come to me every week and send me the picks and say, hey, make the picks without the spread for me because I don't know what's going on. So that's the type of thing we're doing here. It's just for fun. That's why it doesn't take as much research. You kind of go with your gut and you kind of feel it out. So, yeah, if you if you guys are listening and you want good picks, I mean, Wes will give you the records that we have. We're winning at a ridiculous clip right now, and we've been posting it every week. So if you have that type of league and that type of pool where you're just doing pick them without the spread, shoot us over a message and uh, and ask us some questions at Legend Sports 7 at Loafing It, John and Wes, and uh, you know, give us four or five games. We'll tell you who to pick. Definitely will. And you can find all of our picks over on the Fantasy Impact Today Twitter handle at FI Today with a little underscore there. And I always post those on like a Saturday afternoon, maybe a Sunday morning. And it's just right there on the pinned tweet. And also everybody's bio uh, underneath the bio. Everybody's Twitter handle is right there. Make sure you follow everybody on our fit crew. Now, John, you and Pierre are actually tied for first 62 and 28. Are we winning? What do you call it against the VIG? Is that what you said? The VIG? Are we winning against the VIG? <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting because you're playing here, which would in real betting would be a money line play, right? So a money line right. play is no spread. Uh, I would say at that clip, certain games don't have a money line because the line is too high. So we probably, if you're going to look at it that way, you probably have to knock off about 15 or 20 wins where the line was over 10 points. So basically it was a given that we were going to win the game. So right. let's say even if you take that out, we're like 20 games over. So bet- betting against the money line, we probably would be big winners for the year. So you're right. Yeah, we're, we're beating the VIG at that clip. If we were maybe 10 or 15 games under that, we wouldn't be there. But where we are right now, it lo- it's looking pretty good, my friend. Yeah, and then Bobby and I uh, are at fi- are 61 and 29, so we're just one game behind you. And everybody, look, this, this is our four, or four separate people, 62 and 28, 61 and 29. That That's a great clip of winning right there. And J.P. Barry will one day get into that 60 60- Win club. All right. He's at 58 and 32. So he's still doing nah, very nah, well. Nah, nah. JB, shout out to my man, JB at fantasy coach, JB. He's not going to get there. And I'm going to tell you why his bucks have been bad for so long that he's not going to have it happen for him in two ways this year. The bucks aren't going to be good. And he's going to be good in his fit picks. It's not going to happen, my friend. So the bucks will continue <laughs> to be good all year. And of course the rich get richer this week. So happy for JB for that, but his picks, he's going to be in last place. I'm telling you. There, there have been some moves that happened down there in that state of Florida with Tampa Bay. They did they, they end up going through last night. I've been running the bread, right? I haven't been able to pay attention to a lot of news. I'm going to uh, uh, depend on you, Johnny, tonight, today to bring in the injury updates and all those things. But before I went to bed, it seemed like AB was going to sign in Tampa Bay. Did that actually end up happening? Yeah. So according to Adam Schefter, who, of course, is kind of like uh, he's the overlord of all these updates in <laughs> NFL. He says that Antonio Brown did sign a one year deal. Wow. With the Tampa Bay Bucks. So as I said, the rich get richer. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. 
obviously the first thing that comes to my mind is, man, Tom Brady is some heck of a general manager, right? Yeah. That's the first thing that I think because he, this is what he does. Uh, my, my buddies were texting me last night. They reminded me he did the same thing with Randy Moss when Randy Moss had a terrible year with the Raiders. So the critics were saying, that's it. Randy had a good run. He was a prime player with Minnesota. Uh, he's fallen off now, and that's it. They say, my my friends in all of our NFL chats were all saying this, that Brady was the one who said, just bring me Moss, and I'll turn him back into a superstar. So uh, we could have the same situation here. And I think that happened last year with Antonio Brown with the Patriots, that ultimately I think he liked Brady even more than he liked the idea of, of playing for Belichick. So here, we, And that's been proven now that he goes with Brady again for the second straight year. So my hat's off to TB12. And you know, while we're on that topic, Wes, what came first? The chicken or the egg, right? I wrote it on my blog this week, John Frisella Sports uh, blogspot. You know, you can find it online and on Twitter. Um, that now it looks like it's early in the year, relatively early, but so far it seems like Tom Brady is pulling more weight than Belichick when you separate the two of them. How do you feel about that situation, my friend? I think that Belichick is very he, – he knows the rules, so he knows how to bend the rules. Mm-hmm. He and Nick Saban both – you know, they, they can press the issues on different things, right? And they were, of course, like you, I think you pointed this out at some point, but I knew this as well. They were both defensive coaches in Cleveland a long time ago. I mean, long time ago, when, back when uh, uh, gym teachers were wearing those really short gym shorts and so were coaches <laughs> on the football yes. field, you know? Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, um, marble huggers, I think they're called. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so they, they kind of learn. And then Tom Brady is in this New England Patriot system, but he realizes that Belichick is not, you know, breaking rules, but definitely bending rules as far as they can be possibly be bent without having them to be broken all the time mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And and I think he learned from that. And I think they both fed off of that. And I think it was a, probably a very open relationship. It had to be for a quarterback and a coach to last that long and have that much success. They had to be able to talk about things with one another and, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom said, hey, Bill, I, I really like how the ball is gripped a little bit better whenever it's underinflated. Well, this is what we'll do, Tommy. We're going to underinflate them balls, and we're going to end up making sure that you, you know, whenever you got wet balls, they're going to underinflate them, and we're going to be able to win a couple of more Super Bowls, you know? Uh, so I, I think that the, it's, a, it's a yin and a yang there. I think that they both kind of worked well together. Yeah, and, it, you know, what's really interesting is they're both kind of at the same point in their careers now. Oh, yeah. Like I, I do feel, and I, and shout out to my dad, Big Fro, John Frisella, the the original. Um, he has a theory that Belichick is getting very close to retiring, and if this season goes really south, which is starting to go that way at two and three, which is very rare. I can't remember the last time the Patriots were two and three in five games. Um, and one of the points he makes is, since when does Bill Belichick do commercials where he's yeah. showing his personality and yeah. he's making jokes and commercials? And I have to agree with Dad on that one. Uh, it's very odd. It's very out of character. It's almost like he's changing his image now because he's getting to the end of his career and he wants to soften his image, right? Because maybe he'll want to go into television and take a cushy job, or maybe he'll want to do something a little more that's related to that than on the field. So looking at the parallel lives of these two guys, let's say at the maximum, if Brady wants to push himself to the extreme, he could scratch out five years if he doesn't get touched. Right, If he has good offensive line play, he can go into his late 40s the way he's playing right now. That's what it looks like. Um, so he's got five years. And let's say the same for Belichick. He's got about five years before he says, you know what, I'm getting too old for this. It's time to relax. I've already proven all that I can prove, and I don't have Brady anymore. Maybe it's not going as well as it did. So looking at that, let me pose the question this way. 
If you had to pick one of those guys right now on an empty team, you said, all right, let's, we got to start winning going forward starting today. You taking Tom Brady or are you taking Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick. I'm going to trust his wisdom and knowledge over Tom Brady. Wow. Uh, Tom Brady's ability. I mean, if you got to start from scratch or I don't know where the team is right now Mm -hmm. uh, that you're, that you're putting me into, but I think that Belichick is going to be able to move the chess pieces around a little bit better uh, and have different coaches systems. And that automatically should be able to improve a game. But if you put Tom Brady back there, he's not going to do anything on the defensive side of the ball. That's an interesting thought, and it's it's one of those back and forth. I think it's really good for the listeners also because I'd like to hear what people think out there. It's uh you know it's back to that what came first, the chicken or the egg? Who is more important? You have to choose. You can't just say they work well together. I'm not saying you in general. That's what people say. They work well together. Everything worked out for them. Now they went their separate ways. You got to choose right now who's more valuable. And let me give you an example of why it's Tom Brady and why you're dead wrong on this one. It's Tom Brady because picture that NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC Championship game. Patriots against the Jaguars. Jaguars are up by about a touchdown, maybe four, more than that, 14, 15 points in the second half. Whatever Belichick did in that game with the game plan, it didn't work. Blake Bortles had a good game. The Jaguars had control defensively. What it came down to in that game was not coaching. What it came down to was Tom Brady had to have three consecutive drives against the number one rated defense in the NFL, right? Jacksonville was dominant that year defensively. And he had to make all the throws. And let me point this out. They were running out of time. The time was running very low. He had to literally hit all the throws at exactly the right time in order for them to score the winning touchdown by Amendola at the end. So that's my example. You can plan all you want. You can plan all day. When you get to a big game like that, you're talking AFC championship game. He's done it in the Super Bowl when they're behind. The quarterback has to make the throws. And not only does he have to make the throws on time, he has to do it in a fashion that leaves you enough time to win the game if you're behind. He's done that time and time again. So that's why, and again, look at this year as an example. Tampa Bay and New England, you're kind of not sure about both of them as a team going into the year. They both look okay, not great, maybe some good things, some bad things. Right now, Tampa Bay is that team that's starting to run away and look like a dominant team, and New England's going the opposite direction, and Brady's on the Tampa Bay side. Well, yeah, but, I mean, who put who put – Tom Brady in that position in New England to be able to succeed. It was Bill Belichick who surrounded him with the offensive coordinator that was able to draw up the plays that gave Tom Brady the opportunity to be able to call those plays in there. Who surrounded Tom Brady with the Edelmans, with the people who could uh, execute on the field and not fold under pressure? Who, who, who was the man that was leading the pack in the charge where not only the entire New England Patriots thought, hey, if I have Bill Belichick as my coach, I'm not losing. Hey, if I have Tom Brady as my quarterback, I'm not losing. But then the opposite side of the field, they're sitting there looking not only at Tom Brady, big number 12, marching out of the field to take those the snaps, but they're also looking across the sideline and they look at Bill Belichick and they're thinking, man, there's no way we're going to beat that guy. Look at him. Look at his sweatshirt. He's, he's, <laughs> he's ready to beat us himself. You know, I mean, all these things that you put into play with Bill Belichick or you say six made Tom Brady successful, Bill Belichick put them in the motion. I mean, that's he's the guy who put him in motion, man. And, there, and no look, I'm not going to sell no Bill question Belichick. About that. There's no question about that. But the point is, if you have to pick one, Belichick can't make the plays under pressure. Brady's done it. Now look at this game last week. That's why I want to, That's why I cut you off there. Look at this game last week. They were in the same situation they've been in with Brady a million times, and Cam Newton couldn't make the throws the last two drives. He had an interception. There was a fumble. There were mistimed plays. He held the ball too long. He got sacked. It was the same coach. 
It was the same situation. They were down by a score. All they needed to do was score a touchdown to win the game, and they couldn't do it with a different quarterback. So just keep that in mind. Okay, yeah, they couldn't do it with a different quarterback. Tight ends, so, no, yeah, okay, that's that's fine. You're talking about Cam Newton. He went to Auburn, so you just you 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 made a double negative right there. All right, so hey. You talked about retiring, and I just want to touch on We got to get into our picks here in a minute or all of our game breakdowns. Uh, but you talked about retiring, so I'm going to fast forward five years. Just imagine, and I don't know that it can happen, but wouldn't it be cool if Belichick, Brady, Gronk, Edelman just all retired at the same time? And then when it's time for the NFL Hall of Fame ballots, all five of them make the ballot, or all four of them make the ballot at the same time, and they all go into the Hall of Fame at the same time. I, I know a lot of people don't like the New England Patriots. If you don't respect what they've accomplished, then you're not a football fan, in my opinion. I mean, just I, I, you might say, well, they cheated, all that stuff. Okay, I can understand that. But still, they won a lot of championships. And I, I, I guess I'm an old softy now. And to be able to watch all four of them go in together, that would be just fantastic. <laughs> well, you hit both points on the head. For absolutely, as a Jets fan, having to deal with them and lose time and time again <laughs> for years and years and years, I still respect everything that they did. And also, the cheating part doesn't phase me that much because you you know you played sports your whole life. I played sports my whole life from when I'm three years old. I played five different sports. Cheating happens all the time at every level. Guys, the better teams are even better at cheating than the other teams that are parallel with them. So I already know that's a part of the game. Everybody's always looking for an edge. We were always looking to steal signs in baseball, right? I'm sure in football, you're always looking to manipulate the rules to the best of your ability. It's just, it's part of the game. It's what people do. It's what teams do. They look for edges within the rules. And then sometimes they step outside of that. So I still respect them. I'm with you on that. But on the flip side, I have no sentimentality. I don't give a crud when they go into the hall of fame. I don't care if they never make the hall of fame. I don't, I don't want any of that stuff because I'm still a Jets fan at heart and I'm tired of them. I'm glad they broke it up. The only one I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for the Bucks because JB is my man. I know him a long time. I know he's a Bucks fan. So I, I back him up. And I like Brady than a, better than I like Belichick. So I, that's it. That's all I'm doing. I don't know what you guys do up there. I, I, I never cheated, Johnny, in sports. I, I always just rose above everybody else on my sheer athleticism and will. Okay. <laughs> Indiv- as an individual player myself, we, we never had to do any like individual cheating. But I know for a fact we've caught other teams doing it. I've had guys on my team doing it. You know, it's, it depends on what the sport. Some some things is more part of the game as it is. There's no such thing as playing baseball without stealing signs unless you're playing oh, little. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're playing competitive baseball, you're trying to steal signs. You want to know not only the pitcher, right? We're talking about pitcher and catcher. That's part of it. Also, you want to steal the other team's signs when they're doing steals and bunts. You yeah. know, back in the old days when we played, that was more prevalent. So there's no such thing. That's always a part of the game. You're trying to figure that out. Um, but as individuals, yeah, I agree. We, you know, you don't you don't need to cheat as an individual, but as a team, you're always looking for an edge. Okay, now you're going to have to give me these injury updates as we go because I know you've been glued to this, and you always yep. are. You can always find John Frisella on Twitter at LegendSports7 with any start sit questions that you may have or any thoughts that you may have going into the week, not only on the Vegas line but also just the win total. Don't forget about me over on Twitter as well, at Loafinit. I don't know if you've heard this or not, Johnny. I'm almost to 4,000 followers. Four? You were at 3,000 last week. Well, I, I'm. it's only at 3,200, but, I mean, that's really close to 4,000. It's <laughs> Right around the corner, man. Right around the corner. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can find those fit picks over there and all kinds of stuff. John, I like to I use I like to use fit the the fit Twitter handle. 
as mm-hmm. like a big newspaper column where I we, we can support all kinds of different people in the fantasy football community. So the average Joe guy who's not necessarily an analyst or anything, just looking for information, can go over to FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter and find so many different articles. I love to be able to do that because there's so many talented people who are out there as analysts that are supporting the, or that, that need support in the fantasy community. Yeah, no, there are, there are a lot of talented girls and guys out there. Yes. Uh, and the main thing, more than anything else, is when you deal with people on fantasy Twitter, the number of trolls is so low, it's almost astonishing, right? There's, <laughs> there's very few people that are on there just to try to nitpick fights, which is what the internet you know, became over the years and different social media sites. There's just a lot of people that are trying to get under people's skin, and it makes them feel better about themselves. Um, that's not the case in fantasy football. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. If anything, the people are more positive than I would expect. You know what I mean? Even for nice people, they're even nicer than I would say. So yeah, there's a lot of talent out there, but just the fact that everybody is so respectful and they have a nice conversation and, and they make it fun and they make it light. I mean, that says a lot. That's why it's a a good community, a fun community. Hopefully there'll be more people involved as we go forward. Yeah. Filled with lots of Evan Ingram analysis, analysts out there, right? I mean, just (laughs) Evan, I feel like he's a popular name every week because you know, my buddy had texted me. He goes, uh, here's the same example as Evan Ingram in fantasy. He goes, uh, a lot of times I end up betting on the Jets because no one bets on the Jets, right? So that he's like, he looks at it, and that's, and that's usually a good strategy like you and I talk about. If it's 90% the other way, usually you're going to be wrong if you bet on the 90%. You want to go the opposite way. So my friend tells me every week I fall for the trap. I look at the game, and I go, well, the Jets stink, but everybody's betting the other way, so I'll just take the Jets. And then he loses every time. It's the same thing with Evan Ingram. It's a parallel example. The people are like, all right, this is it. This is the week where Evan Ingram is going to get 25 points. And then he gets seven, and they get really mad. So it's the same idea. He's he's given me good tight end success this year. He's given me a solid seven points, and he's stayed healthy the entire time. Hey, speaking of that, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that as we get into injuries. But first, let's get into our very first game. We have the Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And this week, the line hasn't moved a, a lot. The game total right now is sitting at 50 and a half. It's dropped down from 51 and a half. And the Browns are still favored by three points, John. I, the weather the last time I checked, it seemed like it was clearing up, going to be a little bit cold. But all the public money's coming in on the Browns at 62%. How's Baker doing this week? Is he is he still banged up? Woo, Wes, I'm pumped now looking at these games because this one's really <laughs> interesting right off the top. Yes. I'm, I'm amped up and ready to go. Here's what we got going on here. This game's screaming to take Cincinnati in the smart way, right? Not This is not the bait play. They're not baiting you to take Cincinnati. This is the correct play. It's 62% on the Browns, only 38 on the Bengals, right? The line only dropped a half a point, but it dropped in the right direction. It went towards the Bengals. So you got people betting on the Browns with the line going toward the Bengals. That's the combination you want, right? So from a betting perspective, the right play is to take the Bengals. But from a personnel perspective, and why this game is really interesting is Baker Mayfield's teetering on that line now. Wes easily said before the season, look out for Case Keenum. Second half of the game last week, Baker Mayfield got benched, quote unquote, for injury. I'm not so sure about that. I know he was injured. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying he was so bad. Maybe they were like, let's just take this guy out and give him a breather. Uh, if he comes out here and the way it looks on the betting line is that the Bengals are going to be the team to beat in this game. If Joe Burrow comes out here as a rookie and he mops the floor with Baker Mayfield, you might be seeing your boy Case Keenum starting next week. Now, if that happens, I don't know what you guys are going to end up doing for me. I mean, a a crown will be fine if you want to do that. 
Um, you know, a statue at some point would be just absolutely fine for my Tannehill pick. I, I think you got to always work a Tannehill pick into the year nowadays because he just did such a great job last season. And to me, all the, all the stars may be aligning for a Case Keenum. I really like, though, how Cincinnati's going to have to throw this football around a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way they're going to be able to move the ball. So in DFS plays, I think it's a great opportunity to stack up a bunch of Cincinnati players. And I think it's also one of those weird opportunities to be able to even play a Cleveland defense because it's going to give Cleveland a ample opportunity to get a pick six. Right. So, well, okay. So you like Cleveland then. You're kind of in the back of your mind, you're thinking Cleveland has a shot to hang around in this game. Is that true? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I like Cleveland in this game. Uh, I And I... I don't like the point total. I'm just going to stay away from the point total. But I like Cleveland in this game. Even though they're favored by three, I still like them in this game. Okay. Um, yeah, no, backing up to what you said about DFS and the injuries, Joe Mixon was ruled out this week. So there right. you go. Right off the top, you got a big one. So that means Giovanni Bernard is going to be crazy owned because the DFS salaries were not prepped for Mixon to be out. They were thinking more that he might be questionable. So that means Gio's going to be heavily owned also. As you know with Gio, he's more of a pass catcher, which makes him even more valuable for PPR. So my concern, I'd rather go your way, Wes. I'd rather more go into the Cincinnati wide receivers. I think A.J. Green, the arrow's pointing upward. He's coming off his best game of the year. I'd rather go for A.J. Green and for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd than go for Bernard, only because everybody's going to be using Bernard. So maybe mm-hmm. you can gain an advantage against the field by not using him, you know? And and outside of Boston, Scott having his little flash last week, which if he didn't score a touchdown, I don't know how many fantasy points he would have had for the entire week last week. It seems like backup uh, running backs coming in and playing for a game hasn't been that successful. It's been a downer more than anything else. Great point. Uh, that's a really good example with Minnesota, right, with Madison. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that Alexander Madison would flop against the Falcons, right, for two reasons. Number one, because it's the Falcons defense. So everyone's been feasting on them all year and last year and the year before that and the last 68 years. So that 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 goes for the first part. Second part is Alexander Madison's a real good player. It, right. It's not like he was a fluke. Every time the guy's been given a chance, he's run really well. Of course, the game flow didn't go in his direction. They fell behind early, and that, that took away the running game for Minnesota. But really good point by U.S. A lot of times these fill-ins, they haven't been so successful. One, the only guy I could think of who did well was Jarek McKinnon, when Mostert was out the first time. So let's keep an eye on McKinnon again now that Mostert's back on IR. I think he's a good play just because he gets those receptions. He's going to get you four to six catches. That's six points right there off the top. And McKinnon, though, he got a lot of run to start with. He was that primary receiving back. It seemed like they still worked him in. And I wonder if it's just not being up to game speed is what it is. I I, I don't know. But I'm not trusting Gio Bernard very much. I'm going to put him in some kind of DFS lineup along the way, just because I don't want to say I missed out, you know, if it's just in case it happens. But who are you taking in this game, John? Yeah, I got. I have to take Cincinnati. It's, a, it's the right play. I mean, it's just, there's just there's no way I can lay off it in this situation because I am a little bit concerned that the Browns are going to spiral right now. I'm a, I just, it, wow. something, is, they're in that in-between stage right now where they went to four and one and they looked really good and everyone's talking about Stefanski as possible coach of the year. Uh, best rookie coach in the league, et cetera. And that doesn't change anything. He's still doing a good job. But when you see Mayfield have a second game, like he had the first game of the year, and you mix in some minor injuries here. And then, by the way, when Keenum came in last week, he did not look good. He looked rusty and old. They might be in a situation where I don't know how good they can be if both quarterbacks struggle. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati here. They played much better last week. I'm going to take them to cover the spread in this game. So if, if Cleveland kicks a field goal, 
mm. in the last five seconds mm-hmm. and wins the game by three. That's a push, right? Yeah, it depends on the site. Yes, some of the sites, yes, that'll be a push. Some of them, uh, it's three and a half. So you would win then. Uh, if you took Cincinnati, you would win by half a point. So you just got to keep in keep in mind what site you're using and what platform you're on. Um, and those those lines are going to change again, right? Because right now you and I are talking 12:51 in the afternoon Eastern time on Saturday. By game time tomorrow, around this same time, those lines might maneuver a little bit. So just keep an eye on that as time progresses. Next game is Dallas at Washington. All that money's coming in on Dallas again, 63%, even after a terrible Monday night loss that they had where their offense just couldn't move the ball at all. They they seem uh, disinterested. Is that a word? I don't know if that's a word or not, but they, they sure weren't playing up to their potential. It didn't feel like on Monday night. They are right now. This is a weird line. This one's moved. It's crossed over, as you would say. It's crossed over. So if the, this is like poltergeist or something, it's it's gone to, <laughs> through this time warp and, and and it's just getting nasty out here it went, through the uh, vortex. it went through the vortex and came out the other side <laughs> it started out as the cowboys being favored by three points minus three points but now it's moved to zero zero and the total for the game has dropped from 49 points down to 45 so the game total is 45 it's a straight up pick em game johnny this is weird yeah it's weird and I, i'm gonna stick with it as you and i discussed off the air on my breadwinners last week, I only went one and two with the games crossing over. Um, that's rare, right? When the line crosses over and you bet three games, you're usually going to win two out of three minimum. Sometimes you win all three. So I'm going to go for one more here, try to get myself even at two and two. So I'm going to take Washington because the line's crossing over, uh, and it's still 63% on Dallas. And I think people just don't like Washington in general because they seem like a boring type team. Uh, I don't think people are too enthralled with watching them play. They're not a sexy pick in any way. So I'm going to take Washington in this game uh, in the division rivalry, and hopefully I'll get to 2-2 two and two on those breadwinners. Um, another thing here, quarterbacks, 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 right? Mm-hmm. I was saying this from the beginning. You can't tell me that you take Dak Prescott out of the lineup, you put in Andy Dalton, and your offense is still going to be operating at a near similar level. It's not going to happen. I said it before the season, not before the week. Before the season when Prescott was holding out or whatever, talking about getting a big contract, People were like, well, they got Andy Dalton, so if they don't get Prescott, everything will be okay. Yeah, get out, get out of here. Like, seriously, I, this gets me riled up. You, you have to really watch football to understand how good Dak Prescott is. The guy, if you look at his stats, forget, don't even watch the games. Look at his stats. He gets better every single year in every category. That's number one. Then watch the games. The guy went from early in his career, they were quote-unquote protecting him, like the Jets did with like Mark Sanchez where they try to limit the throws and they try to keep the reads to one side of the field and they try to make the game less complicated. He went from being that type of game manager quarterback to exploding to almost 5,000 passing yards last year. And then this year he was probably the best quarterback in the league other than the elite, elite Russell Wilson. He was unbelievable. Yeah, the, the Cowboys can't stop anything. They can't stop running water but uh, defensively, but offensively they're scoring 40 points a game. So, you know, that's, that's what really upsets me is people thought that Dalton could be the same thing. And in this case, I was proven right. Not all the time. This one, yes. Um, so I'm taking Washington. I think Dalton will struggle once again. And I think after that, we're going to hear rumors of the Cowboys trying to get Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. Well, quit looking at my show notes, okay? I know I didn't send you any show notes, but that was part of my show notes. I was going to ask you, if Dalton struggles again, are we going to be able to see a Ryan Fitzpatrick behind the Dallas Cowboy offensive line, which I don't know that he wants to go to Dallas and be behind that offensive line, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, but but I, I was going to ask you about that because that 
that is the first place that comes to my mind when you think about Fitzpatrick. The second place, we already talked about him, maybe Cleveland if Baker Mayfield doesn't do things and Case Keenum doesn't show that he could perform there because both of those teams, I'm not going to say have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl, but they, they if you put Fitzpatrick back there, it can really change the outlook of either team. Yeah, not the opportunity to win a Super Bowl, but the opportunity to make the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I mean the way. By the way, in in legitimate quarterback rating, so not the not the average one that we've been used to over the years. There's one that kind of cuts out all the nonsense plays and the garbage time stats. Um, okay. so in total QBR, uh, Fitzpatrick's number seven in the NFL this year. Talking about guy was playing like almost an elite quarterback. So you're right about that. If you put him in the right spot and you have a team that's teetering, not sure if they're going to make the playoffs, he could be enough to help you get there. Now, on the flip side, the the converse argument is Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the league about 15 years. He's never made the playoffs once. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I knew that. That's always one of those stats where when you hear it, you're like, oh, why are you serious? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the flip side. So I understand both sides of that argument. But at the end of the day, the real reality is I don't think the Dolphins will let him go. Because I think the Dolphins believe they have a chance to make the playoffs with the extra playoff spot now in the new format of the league. They are 3-3. Three and three. They're playing good football. Uh, Tua, as we know, coming off a major injury. If something happens to Tua, I think they still want Fitzpatrick to be there. So what they're doing right now internally that none of us can see and none of us can hear is they're doing damage control. They're trying to tell Fitz, you know, understand this was for the future of the organization. You knew we took two or high in the draft. You knew he was going to be our franchise quarterback. That being said, we know it's football. Anything could happen at any time. In a week, you might be the starting quarterback again. So at the end of the day, I don't think Miami would want to let him go. Do I think Dallas would be interested in having him? Absolutely. But I don't know if Miami would actually let him walk. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just hate it for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm, I'm an older man now. Mm-hmm. And I know in my slow-pitch softball team uh, league, I haven't played in about a year and a half, two years now because of COVID and stuff. The season got canceled this year. So it's just been a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And every off season, it was harder for me to get back up to speed. And I don't know that I ever got up to full speed ever again. You know, it's, every year my, my talents uh, uh, went backwards and I, I, I couldn't get there quite as quickly as I could. And if you don't use it, you lose it. I think my I think my softball career may be over. I know that sounds silly, but my slow pitch softball career may be over. And I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick to go away. That's just that's I just don't want him to leave, John. Yeah, he's he's very popular, just the way you just said. He re, he really is. He's the type of guy that people watch from the outside with his beard, and he smiles when he plays. Right, he plays with a lot of exuberance, like a little kid, and he has fun with his teammates. He's known as a very good leader. He's like one of the most well liked guys. I once got in a brief argument with Arian Foster on Twitter about Fitzpatrick because I was saying, look, as much as I like Fitzpatrick, cause you, you know me, Wes, I don't care if each guy, I could say something positive and negative on each guy in the entire league. So I don't lead one particular way, but the facts are Fitzpatrick, when he gets in the big spot, turns the ball over. So that's what I was saying. And Arian Foster jumped in and was like, yo, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the man. Like you, you don't know Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, he's a good dude. So you're right. And not only is it for the fans, also for the players, a very well-liked guy. And I think what he is, it's a term we use in the movie-making world, the audience surrogate. He makes you feel like you're, he's one of the guys. Like you, He represents you, right? He represents us, just regular average Joes out there, and he's just the guy out there having fun playing ball. So I think you're right. People have that connection to Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's supposed to be raining a little bit, a little bit of drizzle there. 
This point total has dropped, like I said, four points. So it's down to 45 from 49. Is this one of those opportunities where you go, okay, they set the line at 49. I should take the over in this game or just both offenses so bad that we cannot trust this point total at all. Yeah, I I would lay off the point total. I agree with you on that last point that you made there. Um, And the reason is the Washington offense does look better with Kyle Allen, but -hmm. I can tell you, there's a very clear game plan going on there. I watched every second of their game last week against the Giants. The game plan is in between plays, we're going to drain that clock down and we're going to make the other team play it tight, more so than I've seen than any other team. Now, again, we talked about copycat league, right? There's a lot of interesting topics coming up today in the development of the NFL and things changing. So this is a hopefully we can put that in the bullet notes of the show and people will be able to see that. Um, that th- this is a really interesting topic. There was a time three or four years ago where everybody was going to the spread offense, right? Everybody's going four or five wide and they want to play quick and they want to play like Chip Kelly, this and that. Okay, that kind of went out the window last year when a lot of the better teams went to running the ball more and playing the physical style and draining their opponents. And now you're seeing more teams going back to saying, well, let me look at the personnel on my roster and decide what's the best way to play. When you look at Washington, other than Terry McLaurin and maybe Chase Young on the defensive side, you don't see too many guys where you're like, these are elite talents in the NFL. So the best way for us to play is to play slow, drain the clock, and keep the score close. So back, bring it back around with the over-under. I don't think they have a bad offense. I just don't think there's going to be enough time in this right. game to get over because their defense is going to do a good job against Andy Dalton. Yeah, no, and uh, yes, yeah, so you said that correctly. And Ron Revere does that, and he's changed all throughout his coaching career to try and bring the cream to the crop uh, or the cream of the crop from his team up to the top right and and he's done that he's made stars out of different players cam newton i mean just cmc steve smith you just greg olson there's so many different players who have excelled in his system which means he changes his system yeah he changes the system and by the way speaking of greg olson uh i was pretty impressed by logan thomas he, I'm surprised they haven't given him more targets. My understanding, he's a, he's a converted quarterback. The guy is a monster. He's a giant. Like, I had seen him on paper, obviously. I didn't get a chance to watch Washington until this week. When I saw him in this game, I'm like, why aren't they figuring out ways to get him the ball more? So if that's true about Ron Rivera and you believe that, this might be a time where you want to pick up Logan Thomas off the free agent list in a 12-team league. You might want to put him in your DFS lineup this week at a lower salary because if that's true about Rivera, maybe that arrow is going to be going up a little bit more and maybe Kyle Allen's going to give Logan Thomas a better chance to make an impact than Dwayne Haskins did. So good point, Wes. Maybe that, that's going to be that guy who emerges out of the system. I appreciate you acknowledging my good point because I didn't realize that I made one. All right. <laughs> so, uh, we both take Washington in this game. We're staying away from the point total. Next one up is Detroit at Atlanta, uh, the newly – Ex- uh, just excited Atlanta Falcons I think is what we could say Julio Jones I think he ended up playing on both sides of the ball last week because that defense came around and started playing so much better last week I don't know if that was the coaching change or if that was Julio John yeah it's definitely a little bit of both uh it's a little bit unfortunate for Dan Quinn uh it's a sad story right it, it really is I, I let me tell you one thing I don't like about fans in the NFL and the media at large it's like they're rooting for these guys to get fired you know what I mean? I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to say which teams have coaches that might be on the hot seat. Sure, that's part of the game. That's part of the business. But the way that they drive for these guys to get fired and they're constantly like, I mean, over here in New York, it's it's ridiculous with the pounding of Adam Gase. 
look at the Jets roster, man. What did you think they were going to be? You know what I mean? They're okay. Joe Flacco played the last two games. A hundred times out of a hundred, I'm taking Wes Easley as my quarterback over Joe Flacco. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you have to be realistic in the way they call for these guys heads. It's like, these people have families. These people have egos. They have lives. They've been in football a long time. So it's a sad story for Dan Quinn because they were so close to getting that Super Bowl. And the even the evil twist in the story is Kyle Shanahan is the guy who made the call in that game that cost them the Super Bowl. If you talk about the timing and the fact that they ran a passing play when they could have kicked the game-winning field goal, it pushed them out of field goal range. They had to punt. Then the Patriots went down and they won the game, right? So it was Kyle Shanahan who's considered a genius and who is. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best coaches in the league, but he's still got a job. He's still a head coach. Dan Quinn's going to be sitting on the couch, going to be watching these games, hearing about people saying what a terrible job he did. So long story short, it was a little bit of both in that game. I'm going to take Atlanta again this week. It's a very close one. Could go either way with Detroit and Atlanta. Uh, I stick with Julio Jones to stay hot. Um, Gage showed up a little bit more last week with Julio coming back. Um, On the Detroit side, I think Stafford will be good because Atlanta's defense was too good last week. So I think Stafford will have a nice game. Hawkinson's on the rise and Swift is on the rise. So those two guys for Detroit. Uh, I'll take uh, the the Falcons to win this game by four points. Wow. And I can can understand that. This is a big point total, 56 and a half. It started out at now it's at 55. So it's one of the higher point totals of the week. And you got a, a, a Atlanta Falcons favored by two and a half. So you're going to take you're going to take Atlanta. I'm trying to write these things down. I'm not really good at writing and talking at the same time. I don't think I specialize in either one, to be honest with you. And I'm trying to think of who I like in this game. If I had the choice, I don't know that I would bet this game at all. But those Falcons just sure looked red hot. And I could see even a late field goal winning this game. So I will take the Atlanta Falcons. I think that gives me a better shot at winning this one, John. And uh, is is you see anybody lighting it up as far as the receivers for Atlanta? Any special person? Are they going to try to get Calvin Ridley a little bit more active and involved since Julio did all the damage last week? That's a question for Matt Patricia, right? So when they go into film study and they have all week, are they going to say, A, Julio Jones came back and he looked like he was the old Julio Jones? So if we're going to think about a blanket coverage or a double team, it's going to go Julio's way. Or are they going to say Julio Jones came back and had a lot of energy because he had some time off and now he's going to come back down to earth. We can cover him with one guy. Is Calvin Ridley going to get the double team? So the answer to your question is, let's say you're doing uh, 10 teams right at a reasonable price on DraftKings and you're going to use these Falcons four times. Just split them up evenly, right? Go two and two. So go two for Ridley, two for Julio and take your chances. And hopefully one of those teams will hit for you. Yeah, I think it, it, good, good, good one, good one, good one. And I am going to take Calvin Ridley a lot of places. And Russell Gage is one of those guys, too, who you can't forget about now that Julio Jones is back in the mix and in that offense. I I, I picked up Cephas this week, you know, mm-hmm. Cephas guy from Detroit. Yep. Because yep. uh, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. just has not been producing very well, and I think they're going to have to find somebody else in that offense to be able to compliment Galladay if they expect uh, bigger things there in Detroit this season. So I, I went ahead and picked up Cephas from a fantasy standpoint this week. Yeah, I mean, it's a good stash. That's that's what we're all doing at this point in the year, and it's a good topic to bring up as well, uh, is looking for those guys in a, in the teams where we look pretty strong with our starting lineup. Let's look for those guys who project well for the rest of the year that maybe have been a little bit quiet or maybe they've been a little bit up and down or maybe other people in the league are giving up on them. Maybe now's the time to grab them, put them on the bench and just go, shh, just leave them there. Go to sleep on the bench and let me know when you wake up with the big weeks and then I'm going to put you in the lineup later in the year. So that's the type of guy you got there. For example, 
one of my 14-team league teams, is doing better than I expected because I took Saquon in the first round, so he's oh. been obviously done. And I took Godwin in the second round. He's only really played two games, and I'm, oh. I'm still four and two. So with that, with that being said, I picked up Antonio Brown before the signing because I'm like, what if somebody signs him on a team that I like? So that, that worked out pretty well there. Um, and then I picked up Alshon Jeffrey, and I put him on IR. So that's what you're doing with Cephas. You put him there, you leave him there, and you see what happens. Another good IR pick is that Rieger fellow from Philadelphia as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. He might be a good stash because he's, he's coming back here sometime soon as yes, well. So and, I- uh, and Deshaun Jackson's back out again. So he looked good in the game Thursday night against the Giants, but he got injured again. He's out six to eight weeks, so good point. Either Alshon, Jeffrey, or Rager, one of those guys is going to have to pop up and uh, make some catches for this team down the stretch. Definitely. The next one is Carolina at New Orleans. What is going on in New Orleans right now? I'm not sure that I understand everything that's going on there. Let me give this a uh, uh, point total for the game. It's at 50 points right now. Hasn't really moved too much, and the line hasn't moved too much either. But New Orleans is minus seven, John. That seems like too many points for me with Carolina going in there now with New Orleans missing Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Missing Sanders, am I right there on that too? He's out for this week. Yeah, yeah, they're really thin. They're really thin this week. So you're going to be seeing an awful lot of Alvin Kamara. You might actually be seeing a lot of Latavius Murray. And what you're going to be seeing is you're going to back up two games to that Washington game, and you're going to be seeing the Saints try to win it that way, right? The Saints are going to grind it down. Mm-hmm. That now their offensive line, they're not having the problems that Dallas is having. They're the opposite. Their offensive line always does a good job protecting Drew Brees and also setting up the run game for Kamara and for Latavius Murray. So that's what you're going to see from Sean Payton. You're going to see some Taysom Hill and some Wildcat, some wild stuff. Um, so yeah, they're going to, they're going to try to win it that way. So in order for them to win and cover the spread at the same time, what they're going to need is to be up by a touchdown with about three, maybe three and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then they're going to need Will Lutz to knock in a field goal for them to cover the spread by 10 points. Um, I think Carolina will play a little bit better this week. I, I'm going to take the Saints to win this game by four. So that means Carolina is going to cover the spread. Uh, you can mix in a little bit of Bridgewater. Mike Davis has been really good since filling in for CMC. Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel hasn't been able to break out. So that means you're on DJ Moore and you're on Robbie Anderson as usual. And then for the Saints, maybe maybe this is the time to be tricky with Latavius Murray, knowing that they have a lot mm-hmm. of injuries in the wide receivers and you want to get a cheap running back in your lineup with some high salaries mixed in together with that. So maybe you go uh, sneaky with Latavius Murray just for one week. No, I, I totally agree with you on Latavius Murray. They treat him like the running back. They treat Kamara more like the, uh, I don't know, the, just all the different roles that he can fill. They like to throw it to him. They like to run it to him. But he's outside of the tackles, and I think that that's going to work really well against Carolina. And I think that Latavius Murray is just going to chew Carolina up, man. I mean, he's just going to – and, like, I love what you said, ground and pound. Uh, that's what New Orleans is going to do this week. And we're sitting at a 50-point total. I think that game is going to go under. That's what I think. And, and these are, you know, we always think of New Orleans as being, a, they can score 50 points on their own. I, right. I just can't see that happening this week with all the injuries that they have. I think the game's going to slow down a whole lot. Carolina always keeps the clock running. It seems like they always stay in bounds. It just, I, I could see this game going under. I'm going to make this one in under, and I'm going with the Carolina Panthers as well. Look at Wes Easley at Lofinet has become a sharp. You know what a sharp is? Well, I do know what a sharp is, but you can tell everybody just in case they don't just know. They can, they get it. A sharp is a professional better, right? So you're, you're, they, they know the right way to play the game. Wes Easley has gone from knowing nothing about line movement and nothing about percentages before the season to being a sharp in only six weeks. 
So if you want to be in my training program, hit, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start a betting trading program. So hit me up at Legend Sports Seven. I'll teach you how to win a game or two. So you're right, my friend. And what do we always say? The results we can't control them, right? There's nothing we can do about it. But the right play here, you hit the nail on the head. The line opened at 51 for the over/under. Now, if you look at some of these other sites, it's creeping its way down. It went from 50. Now it's going to 49 and a half. Would I be surprised by kickoff if it wasn't 48 and a half? Probably not. It could be 48 and a half. So it's going down, down, down. And the teams sound like they're high-scoring teams, the Saints and the Panthers. So that sounds like I should take the over. That's what a sucker would say. So I'm going with the sharp at loafing it. All right. Hey, thank you. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be one of my breadwinner picks. I hope to be able to post those breadwinner picks. I, I don't. I, I still don't have a lot of confidence on Twitter of uh, composing a tweet and sending it out there to everybody. We'll see how. We'll see if we can do that or not. Hey, the confidence next one. Key man, confidence is key. No matter what it is, just go out there and leave it all out there on the field, on the Twitter, on the polls, whatever it is. Leave it all out there, my man. Just uh, let the world see what you got. Well, the next person leaving it all out there is Josh Allen with those Buffalo Bills going against your New York Jets. And they have Joe Flacco listed here on the, on the team that we're looking at or on the, the site that we're looking at. But it's not going to be Joe Flacco anymore. It's now going to be Sam Darnold, if I'm not mistaken. And 60% of the money's coming in on, on Buffalo. And I point that out if it's get up there in the 60% range because you usually like to fade what the public is doing, I believe. But Buffalo is favored by 10.5 points. This has gone up half a point up half a point it started out at 10 and, and there's been so much money coming in that they raised it to 10 and a half to try to get some action on the jets and is the point total started out at 48 it's dropped down to 46 john so something something's not right there the balance is off great great point there's something is not right i'm still wondering why this site has flacco listed right we're on sports insights right now they're usually if you recall during our live show mm -hmm. about when Cam Newton got coronavirus, they updated it that second. It was on Roto World and it was on the news and they updated right away that it was now undecided who the quarterback was. So I'm wondering if maybe they know something we don't know about the quarterback situation. Not that that's necessarily true, but it was not a guarantee that Darnold would play. Gay said it seems likely, but why does the site not say undecided? Why does it say just Flacco? So just keep that in mind, because if it is Flacco, I can tell you this, the Bills are going to blow the doors off the Jets if it is Flacco, because the Bills need to win bad. They've been playing terrible, and this is how you bounce back. If it's Darnold, I'm leaning in your direction. It'll probably be a closer game. The Jets won't win. The Bills will still win, but they'll probably win it by a touchdown. So the key to this whole thing is look 10 minutes before the game, who's the quarterback for the Jets? Yeah, and I can't. I, that's why I don't want to pick this game because it is there's there's conflicting things, and I totally agree with you. If it's Darnold, take the Jets. If it's not Darnold, take Buffalo, and that's the simplest way that I could say to put this. I'm going to stay away from the over under on this one, but that minus ten and a half is just really weird looking right now, and it's even minus eleven in some spots. So I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, it's a it's a wacky one for sure. If we're talking about DFS, the only guy I would keep an eye on for the Jets that seems to be emerging is Perryman, right? So Perryman came off the injured list last week. Uh, they did throw a lot of balls his way. It was Flacco, so you don't know if it's Flacco or Darnold and how that's going to impact his targets. But what I do think, I think this came from above with Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas, the GM, has taken a lot of heat for letting Robbie Anderson go, Robbie Anderson having the best year of his life, and then bringing in Perryman to replace him, who's done almost nothing. So last week it seemed to me that, that there was an order from up top, hey, I signed this guy. Let's try to use him and let's try to do something with this guy. 
so I don't look like an idiot. So that if you're playing DFS and you want to take a chance, maybe take a chance on Perryman. John Brown is out for the Bills, so obviously mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs has been fantastic. He's an obvious play. And then if you're going with the sneaky play, that would be the rookie, Gabriel Davis, who's going to fill in for John Brown and who's been playing anyway. So those are the wide receivers for the Buffalo Bills. I also think that if Flacco is the quarterback, uh, you, you can, on DFS, like you said, Gabriel Davis is one of those plays that you can play if 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 Flacco's the quarterback. Also, the other rookie there, uh, who's the who's the running back? Which team are you talking about? For Buffalo, for Buffalo, I'm sorry. Uh, well, that's Zach Moss. Yeah, so you got, I, yeah I, I don't like Zach Moss. I don't like what I've seen from him. He's starting to get opportunities. He did last week, so that's true that he's now in the mix. But I still think Singletary is a better player than him. I do too. I just think mop up time. You know, that's mm-hmm. if 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 Flacco's at quarterback, Buffalo's going to need some mop up time, and right. then Zach Moss is going to get a lot of handoffs and maybe some dump offs too. We'll, we'll just we'll have to wait and see on this one a little bit I gotta, more. I got to tell you, buddy, Flacco is that bad. I mean, I, yeah. I watched every minute of the last two games. It's the, I couldn't tell you. It's so blatant. He even made a comic two weeks ago to one of the reporters in the Jets game before the game. I got five kids at home. I got to keep making paychecks. It's so he yeah, but, you know he didn't say it in those words and paraphrasing, but he mentioned that he had five kids and he's got to pay the bills. So what does that tell you? When you watch him play, he's not even really trying to complete passes. He's trying to not get killed because he needs to make more paychecks in the future. So it's like an automatic loss when he's playing quarterback. It makes Adam Gaze look even worse, and it makes Joe Douglas look even worse that Flacco's playing like that because the last time Darnold played, they played against a spunky Broncos team and they came down to a field goal at the end. It was a very good game. Um, but with Flacco, they're not even a competitive team. It's it's some of the worst football I've ever seen in my life. Wow, that's saying a lot coming from a Jets fan. Okay. Woo! And I've seen some bad stuff, man. <laughs> the next game is the highest point total. It would surprise me with how this game has gone up this week. It started out at fifty-five and a half. It's now up to fifty-seven for the point total. It, it, they they might move this one to sixty before it's all said and done because this is just seems like a fireworks display. The only problem is Aaron Jones is out now or he's hurt. He's hurt. I don't know if he's going to be out. I say he's out. He's just a little sick. Might have a stomach bug. I don't know what's going on with him right now for the Green Bay Packers. But the Packers are favored by three and a half. The point total is up to fifty-seven, John, and all the public's money is coming in on Green Bay. Everybody's expecting Aaron Rodgers to have a bounce back week. When is Houston going to get a little bit of credit? Yeah, this feels like exactly what you're saying. So it feels like it's going to be going toward the over. It's going to be a back-and-forth game, very similar to the Texans and the Titans game. Remember that? That was a wild one, um, back and forth to the end. Yeah. So, yes, it looks like it's going that way. It looks like everyone's assuming because the Packers had a real bad game against Tampa Bay, the worst I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. And also the team on the whole just looked like the timing was off because the defensive speed of the Bucks is phenomenal. So having played that last week, then you go against the Texans who are giving up at least 30 points a game. Uh, you think they're going to bounce back. But let me ask you, step aside, look back, step away from your screen, look at this line, the betting line, not the over-under, right? If you're looking at that game and you see you're a layperson, you see the Packers only a three-point favorite or a three-and-a-half-point favorite, what are they trying to do to you there? What, is that, what does that line tell you in this game? Oh, they, 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 that uh, they're trying to bait you into taking the Packers. If I'm Absolutely. reading, yeah, if I'm reading that right, and for us as knowledgeable football fans, we know Deshaun Watson can cover a three three and a half point spread very easily towards the end of a game. Yep, I mean that's the most obvious one on the board as far as baiting. And I get, I keep going back to it. It doesn't mean anything in the end. We can't control the results. But what the the point is, 
That is obviously screaming at you. I dare you to take the Packers. You you should be. You're, all your money should be on the Packers. That's what the line makers are telling you. Look how low this line is. Let me let me put it this way. If you ask the layperson before the game, the betting line's not up yet. It's Green Bay against Houston. What's the line going to be? They're all going to say at least the Packers seven point favorites, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a, to me that looks like a sucker's play. So I'm I probably would take the Texans and the over in this game. I'm definitely taking the Texans. I don't know if I'd take the over because it's just it keeps rising really high. But I yeah twenty what twenty eight thirty one what how many points is that altogether sixty one yeah okay I'll take the over too I would take the over on that one. <laughs> you're you're easy to sway that's for sure. No, I mean, I was just doing the math is all. I can't see. One of those teams is going to score something with a three in front of it, and I know it's going to be a close game, so both of them will have really close to a three as far as their point total goes. Uh, so that's that's why I think it's going to be 60 points-ish as far as a game total goes. Like 35-27 um, or 35-28, that's not out of the question. That's very possible, actually, in this game, so could definitely be an over. Yeah, so in other words, in all fantasy aspects, fire everybody up because there's going to be a lot of points played or scored in this game. Yeah, before we move forward with that, if you had to make a choice between the chalk, right? So obviously we talked about before, Giovanni Bernard is going to be chalk because Joe Mixon is out. Mm. If Aaron Jones doesn't go, as of right now, to correct the situation, he's questionable, but it doesn't sound great. It sounds highly questionable to me. So if Aaron Jones doesn't go, that means Jamal Williams is going to be the chalk filling in. If you had to pick between those two guys, who would you take? Uh, would you take Gio Bernard for DFS, or would you take Jamal Williams this week? Uh, Jamal Williams, just because he's been more active and involved in the Green Bay Packers system, mm-hmm. I, I believe. And durability-wise, I think Gio Bernard, he could run for four or five plays and all of a sudden blow out a hamstring or have an ankle injury like I've seen him happen uh, I've seen happen with him before. So I think Jamal Williams is definitely that play there. He seems to be the guy that if you plug and play, he comes through more times than not. Yeah, I agree with you in this case. The only hard thing is, let's say that news, the final news on Aaron Jones, doesn't come out until right before the game and you're one of those guys who's doing multi lineups or you're doing max entry 150 lineups, you got to get to those lineup builders and you got to swap out either all your Jamal Williams that you already had in there or you got to put it in there if you didn't have it and you got to find salaries that are low enough to swap out. So that's a headache, you know, when you're playing with mm-hmm. a lot of lineups. That's a tough situation. I agree with you, but fire up everybody. I don't think we got to worry about anybody here uh, mm-hmm. in this place. I wonder if David Johnson's going to have a big game too, though, going against Green Bay Packers because we saw what Ronald Jones did to them a couple of weeks ago. To me, that seems like always a time when the Green Bay Packer defense says, we ain't letting that happen again, fellas. We're not letting that happen again. Stock up on the cheese. We're going to eat a bunch of cheese because we're going to come in here in the middle of this field next week. You know? Yeah, yeah. the only difference is the way that those two guys run. So I agree. I, I think it's a much better matchup for Green Bay because obviously David Johnson's an old man. Um, the good news for David Johnson holders or David Johnson DFS players is that he's going to get plenty of chances. So that's not in debate. He's going to get plenty of opportunities. The only difference is Ronald Jones is emerging as one of the best running backs in the NFL. And I'm not surprised because everybody was doubting him before the season. When they got Fournette, everybody jumped off the ship. They said, oh, they got Fournette. It's not going to be Ronald Jones. When they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, everybody jumped off the ship. They said, it's not going to be Ronald Jones. You just got to watch the running back position more than any other position. You just have to watch the way the guy runs. And I'll even use Coach Shanahan again. Coach Shanahan said this week about the 49ers that Jamichael Hasty, the other running back, showed very fresh legs last week. And that's it. 
right, Wes? You're an old, you and I are old school football guys. At the running back position, if the guy has fresh legs and he runs hard, that's a good running back for this year. And that's Ronald Jones. He's running his butt off. He looks really good. No, I, I, I agree with you completely. John, let me remind everybody before we head into the afternoon games here, maybe the evening games, there's, there's a lot of different things. Are, things are, NFL is doing a lot of juggling. More so, They have been more flexible this season than I have ever known the NFL to be. But one of the things that I want Twitter Nation to do, our listeners, our podcast people to do as well. It's, and by the way, John, the Fit Fam has been doing great, retweeting the show. Getting the show out there, our listenership keeps going up each and every week, and so we really appreciate that. Great listen to, I want to say, on Sunday morning before the games go into play, uh, and, and you got to take everything with a grain of salt because that's why I like to give these point totals out, what the game is and all that, because you can kind of dissect what we're saying going against the point spread that may change a little bit on Sunday morning. So always take that in there, consideration with a grain of salt. And if you have a question on Sunday morning, you can always shoot it to at Sports 7 That's John for Sella right there. You can follow him on Twitter at LegendSports7 and shoot him a question if something does change between now and then. You can also ask me at LoafingIt on Twitter, Wes Easley, and you can find the show over on FI Today with a little underscore. Where that's where everybody's listed. That's where the show's going to be posted. And also our fit picks are going to be over there. Don't forget to head over to Anchor FM. Subscribe to the show on whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on. Anchor FM does a great job of getting it out there to all the different kinds of platforms. It no matter what you like to listen to, so not only can you listen to it on your platform, but also whoever you would like to tell about the show, whatever they listen to, whatever if they got a, if they like to listen to Google, if they like to listen to it on Apple, to iTunes, they can do that as well. So whatever you want to do, we are there to accommodate you is what we are to do. We, we want to be your guys. Isn't that right, John? We want to be, be your guys. Yeah, we want to be your guys. Remember, Wes is at Loafin' and he's our host of all the shows here on the Fit Network. Wes, let me give you a live update coming to you hot. From Twitter, at Legend Sports 7. I don't know if you saw me post this yesterday. I posted a little something to stir up some conversation in the fantasy football world in our little universe here. And I knew it, it was going to rile some people up and it was going to rub people the wrong way. But I believe it's true. I didn't just say it you know, to make it up. What I posted was what the experts, quote unquote, don't want to tell you. Fantasy football is 75% luck. Ooh. Right now, a couple things about that. I, you and I, I don't consider us experts. I wouldn't use that word, experts, because that's very presumptuous. I would consider us to be analysts. We're absolutely analyzing the game every possible way, and I've been doing it for 20 years. I've been writing about sports for as long as I can remember. So, yes, I absolutely would call us analysts, but not experts. But there's a lot of guys out there that are making money in the field, and they're pushing their products and this and that, claiming to be experts. So that's why I put that in quotes, right? So a live update. When when we started the show, the tweet had about 150 likes. It has 483 likes now. So it looks like we're stirring up some conversation here at Legend Sports 7. What's your opinion? That's why I bring it up. What is your opinion? Do you, do you, what percentage of fantasy football is luck? See, this goes back to a conversation that I've been arguing for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the coach that does the best in a league with moving the waiver wire around, with drafting, with making trades and all that, and ends up with the highest point total, they should get an automatic bid because they have done their job better than anybody else. Because what they are doing is they are trying to cut down on that luck percentage, and they are doing a really good job at it. Now, when you talk about luck, you're talking about injuries. You're talking about performance, not only injuries to you, or to that player, I should say, that that we're talking about in particular, like a Saquon Barkley, which Mm -hmm. affects the outcome of the entire Giants. 
you know, if you if you ended up drafting Daniel Jones, well, one of the reasons why he might might not be doing as well this year is because Saquon Barkley's not out there. Is that good luck or is that bad luck? Is that luck at all? Yes, it's completely luck because it's not something that you could control. Right. right. Exactly. So so I'm not going to say that it's 75 percent. I would almost say it could be a little bit more than that because really it's all out of our control, John. We it's it's all out of our control. We sure we hit the buttons. We put the players in the lineup. We draft the players, but how they perform is completely out of our control. That's right. You're exactly right. And and you know the best answer that I saw. There's so many answers coming in now, and and they were last night as well. The best answer I saw was it takes skill to make the playoffs, and I think that's fair because in most leagues, six teams make the playoffs. So you can't be. You could be one of the lucky teams who makes it because you had a good draft and nobody got hurt. Um, so that that's a possibility, but you could make a lot of moves and you could take a mediocre team and make the playoffs, but you can't make a lot of moves and take a mediocre team and win the league nine times out of 10. There's a big difference, right? So yes, I think we can control the skill factor of getting into that six spot or that five spot or taking a team that's in seventh or eighth and moving up a couple of spots. I think we can control that. That's about it, but you can't control winning the league because I guarantee you when you look at the teams that win the league, they have the guys that had the most points that year, and you can't control that, which is what you said. You can't control the guys that you drafted that scored the most points that particular season. So at the end of the day, it takes skill to make the playoffs. It takes luck to win it all. You agree with Ooh. that? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, it does take luck. I, I think about how many times I got lucky picking somebody up off the waiver wire, and who would have thought I could, I could stick uh, – what's his name? Samuel? Samuel's from Pittsburgh? The, the, uh, the guy Jaylen, who was a running yeah, back, yeah, yeah Jalen Samuels, yep, and he was tight end eligible that year. So guess what? My starting running, the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers was in my tight end position the year I, one of the years I won the championship. You know, I, oh, did I, I did I control that? that? No, you can't plan for that. It just happened to break that way, and yeah. then when you had an opportunity, you made the right pickup, right? You made the right pickup and the right play, but at the same time, you could have made that pickup, put him in that spot, and he could have got zero points, right? So right. that that's the point that you can't control. So, you know, I, and I see you, it'll be funny when we get off the air, you'll go and check it out. A lot of the responses, people are saying, like, that's ridiculous. There's no such thing as luck. If you think there's no such thing as luck, I don't know what world you live in. You live in a different world than I do, my friend. <laughs> it may be planned out of our control somehow, some way, but we do not have control over it, which we would throw in the category of luck. All right, John, this next game. Well, let's just do it in order here so we don't get too far off. I don't know. This looks like the Sunday night game, and I think that that's how it's going to happen now. But let's just go ahead and talk about it right now. The sure. Seattle Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Seattle Seahawks. Everybody thinks they're going to win this game. 64% of America thinks they're going to win this game. They're placing their money on them. It, the line has barely moved. It's still minus three and a half on Seattle. Uh, the game total is at 55. Wow. I, did everybody forget what Arizona did last week to Dallas? Is everybody yeah. trying to you know just, just say, well, Arizona, you're not at home anymore. Is everybody just saying, well, Seattle's had two weeks off or a week off, so now they're well-prepared, they're well-rested. I just don't understand how Big Brother is going to beat Little Brother quite that easily at, at, at minus three and a half. Yeah, I mean, you're you're locked in, my friend. The Sharps are definitely taking the Cardinals. I already read like three or four articles that there's a lot of Sharp money coming in on Arizona. Um, I'm just going to go for a gut play here, which is, in, is unlike me a little bit. I just have a feeling that the Cardinals passing game, because of what I talked about earlier, where Kyler is so locked into running when he's in a jam, I just have a feeling there's going to be a bad throw. There's going to be something that happens in the second half that turns the tide of this game. 
um, just because the rhythm is not there. Also, very key, DeAndre Hopkins is questionable. So you throw that on top. So now you got, I'm a little bit sketchy on their passing as it is, and then you take away possibly the best receiver in the game or him playing on one leg, whatever the situation might be. Um, so just on, so the sharp play is definitely Arizona. I agree with you. So if you're playing a smart, you're playing smart, you're going to take Arizona. If you're going with your gut, I'm taking the Cardinals to lose this one down the stretch. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson to close this game the same way he did against Minnesota. That's mm. what I'm thinking. So I'm going to say it's going to be tight, going to be tight. And then the Seahawks are going to win it by seven at the end based on the strength of Russell Wilson at crunch time. What do you think about that point total? I could see one of the teams having a three in front of it, which is going to put this one in that 60 range. Right now it's sitting at 55. Uh, Would you agree with me on that? Whoo, man, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. You think there's going to be a three on there? Uh, Arizona's defense is pretty impressive. Seattle's defense, Jamal Adams is out again. They've been pretty bad. That's probably part of the reason why the sharp money's on Arizona. I don't know. The number 52 is coming to my head. 51 okay. and 52 is where I'm at. So it's it's not that far off, but I'm going to go just a little bit under. Okay. I think that's probably the safer play. I like the over in it. Once again, I, just, I think that this is going to be a back and forth game. I know what you're saying about both. Of the, I know what you're saying about Arizona's defense, and they are pretty tough. They, they really proved that last week. It's a letdown spot for me, for them, though, this week. Maybe the confidence is a little bit too high. Okay, and and Seattle has had a couple of weeks to kind of key in on little brother here in the Arizona Cardinals. And so they're going to really be able to know how to exploit some things. I I could see I could see Seattle winning this game, but I can see Arizona covering this somehow, some way. It's only three and it's three and a half. If that was three, I'd probably side with Seattle. But if it's since it's three and a half, I'll take I'll take Arizona. Yeah, I, th- I think you're making the smart play. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. I, I can, having done this for so long, I can separate the two. I, I think it's probably a stupid play for me to take Seattle, but my gut is telling me the end of the game is going to go their way. That could be dead wrong. So I, I like where you're going with that. Uh, let me just make one special point here. I know we don't talk about individual defensive players a lot, but we got to shout out Buda Baker, man, the safety Ooh. for the Cardinals. This guy is unbelievable all over the field. And talk about the defensive coordinator. Doing a heck of a job. I think it's Wilkes, right? Is it, is it Wilkes? The guy that used to be the coach? I, I forget. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It's Vance Joseph, who used to be the, the head coach for the Broncos. Talk about a defensive coordinator taking a talented player and putting him in all the right positions to succeed. Buda Baker shined, dominated the Dallas Cowboys. One defensive player. They, didn't, they don't have Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones is out. This guy's all over the field. So I know we talk fantasy. We talk offense a lot. But if you're playing those IDP leagues and individual defensive players, that salary is probably through the roof for, for Buda Baker. But the guy's just top, top of the line, top five defensive player in the league right now. Well, I, I, I love that name, too. Isn't that a neat name? Buda Baker. I and mean, that just sounds cool. It's a great it's a great point. It's a it's something I think about all the time. So much of these players that become very popular, they also have a marketable name. I'm going to throw one at you right away who became popular from day one. Andrew Luck. I used to always say. Andrew Luck, he sounds like, first of all, it's a, it's a good name, Luck, right? You want to have a lucky quarterback. It sounds like a strong, like, you know, purebred, like American guy. You know what I mean? Like all American, Andrew Luck. And he plays for the Colts. He's the first pick of the draft. And I always felt like he, people thought he was better than he was because of his name and because of his background and because of the hype that he got. I thought he was a very good player. No, no doubts. And I thought he was a tough guy. You know, even though he retired early, he took a beating. Their offensive line was terrible. So nothing bad about Andrew Luck. I just felt his reputation was even bigger because of his name. So good point about Buda Baker's got a good marketable name. 
Yeah, I guess maybe that explains why Evan Ingram plays a little tentative out there on the football field. <laughs> he sounds soft. Sounds like a soft guy. Sounds like a oh. tennis player, Evan Ingram. <laughs> hey, we go from being a fire up everybody kind of a game in Seattle and Arizona mm-hmm. uh, from a from a fantasy football standpoint to the mm-hmm. San Francisco New England game, and I this what it's forty four and a half for the point total. Forty four and a half, John. And the and right now, New England is favored by two and a half points. I don't even know that I want to watch this game. The quarterback play in this game just is going to be so bad, it seems like. This one, though, could be one of those games that surprises everybody. Everybody with that point total being at 44 and a half. Maybe it goes above that. I'm not sure how to read this game. I don't know what to think about this game. Cam Newton looked terrible. Breida's gone. I, I don't. I, Mostar, Mostar. I keep calling him Breida. I am so stuck in some of that stuff. Do you know what I always want to call the New York Giant offensive coordinator? What? Uh, Shan Gailey. Chan Gailey's changed teams a hundred times since then. I know. I know. But uh, that guy, whoever the offensive coordinator is for the Giants now, that is just killing my team. Jason is, is Garrett. Jason Garrett. I always think of Shan Gailey because they, they got the cowboy thing. It's the last name. The last name is almost is very oh, simple. Maybe. That's Maybe yeah, your brain's making an association, so I understand why you're doing that. But you're right. This game, I would put this game on par with Detroit and Atlanta as being a very difficult game to call. Um, the line did open at five and a half, right? So we don't really have a choice from a sharp perspective. The line opened at the Patriots being five and a half point favorites, and now they're only two and a half. So I think it's pretty obvious that we need to take San Francisco because the line dropped three points. Right. Um, and also, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the breaking point where the Patriots have to decide after this week if if it goes south, do we pack it up for the year and try to position ourselves for a quarterback in the draft? If we lose this game, we go two and four. Are we out of the running? So this could be a make-or-break type of game for the Patriots organization. Um, and also for Cam Newton, because if they want to lose going forward, Cam Newton's the kind of guy that right now he's not he's not playing tremendous football, but you are going to kind of hang around in games with him. Maybe if you want to get worse, you go to a Jared Stidham and you just kind of see what you got in a young kid like that. So this is a make-or-break game. So I got to take San Francisco because the line dropped three points. Um, and I like I said earlier, I think you got to try McKinnon because he's getting his job back with uh, Mostert out, and he's a good play for PPR usually. And also, think about the Patriots. They take away your deep balls with the secondary and with Gilmore. Um, so if anything, it's going to be more of an underneath game. So you like the underneath dump-offs with McKinnon. So that would be my guy on that team. The guy to watch for the Patriots is Damieri Bird, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. because last game he got more snaps than any other player uh, at the wide receiver position for the Patriots. So, I mean, he's just a sleeper. I don't think he's going to be like scoring three touchdowns, but if you want to get some sneaky points, maybe there's a connection there between Newton and Bird uh, in the passing attack. Yeah, maybe so, but it is Cam Newton throwing the ball. It just doesn't, something, something's just not right anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe he was still having a little COVID hangover. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been something like that. I don't know, but this might be a get right game. It just, it, it looks like Vegas is just messing with our minds on this game, man. It just, okay. I don't. I don't understand it. I just. I just don't understand it. I totally agree with you. You got to play San Francisco in this point. They. They seem like the better football team right now. And I'm getting. And I'm getting points. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've talked about Shanahan two times already, but it, it's the best example of coaching in the league right now. Their injuries have been absurd. Right? Talk about elite players. The best. Literally, the best players on their team: Bosa, Kittle, Garoppolo, uh, Debo Samuel, Mostart. You could argue that's the five best players on their team. Those guys have all been injured. 
yet every week they find a way to be competitive. They've even blown some teams out, and that's coaching. If you watch what they do, they're just trying to disorient you with a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of fake the handoff, fake the pitch, hand it off underneath, throw it deep. They're mix and match. That's coaching. So I, I think right now, I think he's coaching better than Belichick is and coaching better than McDaniels because if you saw that Patriots offense last week, the only one that looked worse was the Jets. Other than that, every team in the league looked better than them. Maybe the Browns. Those two teams, plus New England, they looked awful last week offensively. Well, if you like defense, that's the game to watch. Uh, I talked about you know seeing a three in some of the scores, so I think I'm going to go into the 60-point totals. I, I, this point total has a one in front of it. You know I mean? <laughs> For for the teams. Uh, all right, the next one, John. I, you're going to have to be from a from a a football fans sitting on his sofa. This one looks like a fun game to watch. I it's know. the first time it's going to be a cold game. The temperature is supposed to be 17 degrees. That's without a wind chill or anything. I don't have any of that. It's supposed to be snowing as well in Denver. Kansas City Chiefs are heading to Denver to play in another ice bowl, maybe. I don't know what this is going to actually be. But this is a this this point total has changed dramatically because of the weather, I'm suspecting. I, I think you'll correct me if I'm wrong. It started out Kansas City being favored by 9.5. That's only 7.5 right now. And the point total started out at 49.5, and, and it's dropped down to 44, John. What usually happens in the snow with football? You uh you get a lot of running the ball, a lot of turnovers. The ball gets on the ground, so that that's for sure. But you mentioned the word wind chill. I got to tell you, while you were giving that introduction, beautifully said, by the way, uh, I got the chills thinking about Andy Reid. <laughs> I did because let me tell you how far ahead and what type of chess this guy is playing. Let me back you up. Reverse the tape. They got okay. Le'Veon Bell in advance, knowing what was coming up on the schedule. They watched the tape on Buffalo. They said, you know what? With our offensive line and the way we block with the run, we could run the ball down their throats the whole game, and we're just going to walk away with a win, no problem. And by the way, it was pouring rain in that game. So now you have another situation where you have the weather coming into play. It's going to be cold. You, that's how far ahead Andy Reid is thinking in these games. Let's pick up Le'Veon Bell in case we need to run the ball and do some dump-offs and stuff as a backup for, for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Right, so you got CEH, you got Daryl Williams, and you got Bell. Now you got three running backs. So they prepped in advance by getting Bell. Then the next game, they run the ball. CEH, he was phenomenal. The rookie was outstanding. He dominated the game. He dominated the Bills. And the offensive line with Mitchell Schwartz and all those superstars up front, they dominated the game. And now here we are, exactly what you're talking about. You think it was a coincidence that they ran the ball more than they ever have? That was the record for Andy Reid teams, not Andy Reid Chiefs teams. This was a record for Andy Reid's career rushing the ball last game. They looked ahead on the schedule. They said, hey, we're going at Denver next week. We better talk about playing this game ground and pound, playing physical and pushing teams around and showing that we're not a flashy offense. We'll beat you anyway. we have to beat you. So that's why I got the chills. They're prepped for this game. They're prepped to run it. They did it last week. They're going to do it again this week. And I don't trust Locke if the conditions are bad and it's the fourth quarter. I think they'll do a good job hanging around Denver, hang around, hang around. Fourth quarter, they're going to make two mistakes, Denver and the Chiefs are going to cover this game. Okay. And I I like I, I think everybody always sells gives the weather too much credit. Mm-hmm. Okay? I just think they give the weather too much credit when it comes to point totals and everything. I don't care that it's 40 I don't care that it's 44. I when, when do you see the Chiefs in a game where it's 44? 
You know what I mean? I, you, and, and, and the line is dropping down even further in some places. It's at 43 and a half. You can find it somewhere. I don't know where that is. But you can find it at 43 and a half. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to take the over in this game. I think that's the safest play. In my opinion, I think that's the safest play because instead of field goals, you may be forced to stay on the field, convert a fourth down, keep marching towards the goal line. So maybe there's more sevens put up instead of threes being put up on the board. Tricky. That's tricky. I like it. I I think what you're seeing there, you're just capitalizing on the opportunity of the fact that it opened at 49 and a half. And if you get on the right site, like if you get to Westgate, Nevada right now, 43 and a half, it dropped six points. So you see an opportunity there, dropped six points. Now it's gone too far. You like the idea in theory, okay, the weather, we're going to drop it a point or two. But to drop it by six, you think that's too many. Yeah, and, and plus this is a pick em game from the public. So I, I don't think that you know the public has given Kansas City enough credit. I'll agree with you. I'll go with Kansas City, and I'm taking the over for sure. Yeah, I like that. I like that play. And uh, one thing to keep in mind, I, I, it's a gut feeling. I can't tell you why. Maybe it's because Tim Patrick has been too good. Right, Tim Patrick's been the number one receiver for the Broncos since Cortland Sutton went down, um, and he's been really good. No, no gripes with him. I like the way he plays. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, he makes himself available. No issues there. I got a gut feeling Jerry Judy's going to wake up because he stunk last week, and and he was against Gilmore, right? So when you go from playing that Patriots secondary to now you're playing against a division rival in the Chiefs, their defense has been up and down. You don't know what to expect from them. If Judy is ever going to emerge. This might be the game where, yes, we might have conditions, but this might be the game where he gets two touchdowns. I'm not saying he's going to get 150 yards. Maybe he'll get 75 yards and two touchdowns. So that's just a hunch that uh, Jerry Jude is going to be the sneaky DFS play for the Denver Broncos. I'd like to point out here, and it's just my my gut feeling too, Mm -hmm. there's players in the league that we always think of as being injured injured players right they they always suffer an injury at some point during the year right this is it's getting to be that time of year for me where i start thinking about okay this guy hasn't been injured yet he's going to get injured at some point pretty soon because he just always does the ben roethlisberger's the tyreek hills you know just different players like that i think the alshon jeffrey getting injured is kind of taking an opposite role because he hasn't played yet and so maybe he'll stay healthy the rest of the time that he's in the philadelphia eagle lineup but that's that's doubtful in my opinion what does that have to do with the broncos game well we got the broncos tyreek hill you got you got kansas city back there and and that's what that's what it did. Come on, don't give me a hard time. Don't try to confuse me, okay? Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I just want to see what you were going to say to that. Yeah, no, Tyreek Hill. I mean, he. I had him last year. As a matter of fact, on one of the teams that won the championship for me. Knock on wood. Hopefully, we get another another one of those this year. But you're right. Right about smack in the middle of the year, he missed two or three games, and it was annoying. And then I traded for Devontae Adams, and he missed two or three games. Mm-hmm. So I had to scratch and claw just to get back to where I was, and eventually we pulled it out at the end. But this is that time of year where maybe he picks up something minor. The only problem is for the Chiefs, they better hope that doesn't happen because Watkins is out, right? So you, you don't want to be in a situation where you got both of those guys out. Then they're really going to be running the ball every play. They're going to go crazy over the top running the ball if that happens. Well, and, and I, what made me think of it, you know, Mixon's out this week, and that usually seems to happen once or twice a year. And, and Tyler Lockett, he's due for an injury, too, if we're just if I'm thinking about players who you often get injured each and every year. Just have backup plans. Just have backup plans ready to go. Uh, be sneaky about your waiver wire picks. Maybe if if the opportunity arises, especially in these bye weeks, to pick a backup running back and stash him on your bench. If 
you just have one of those players that you're going to drop anyway. Maybe maybe it's just that time of year to be thinking about those waiver wire moves a week ahead of time instead of having to wait while everybody else is trying to get that player that uh, is playing behind that often injured player. Yeah. Did you have anybody else other than Cephas that you picked up this week that you were thinking like the same type of idea that, you know, this is somebody I want to take a look in advance, maybe a week early and say, let's see what happens with him. Oh, definitely. There's one that on the next game that we're talking about now against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, to me, Booker is one of those guys. I haven't seen Josh Jacobs get injured yet so far, but he is definitely one of those guys in a very valuable offense that usually runs the ball and it's really tries to run the ball and has the running back involved a lot. And Booker looked really well in the opportunities that he's had to be able to play in, in recent weeks. I say in recent weeks, in recent games, it seems like the Raiders haven't played it forever. But uh, so Booker is definitely one of those players that I look at picking up that's probably still out there on a waiver wire that you must own at this point of the year. Did Booker go to Alabama? No, Booker did not. Josh Jacobs did, though. It's just, it's just weird how you have these these random third-string running backs that you like, like like Edo Smith. <laughs> I'm going to make a chart of Wes's guys. Devontae Booker is a guy that, when he was on the Broncos, I thought he was awful. I'm like, this guy, right. he, all he does is he runs into the line and falls down, but now there's a, there's a happy ending. I did notice something different when he got a couple of carries early in the year. He looked like a different player, so either he's conditioned better or the Raiders' offensive line or the coaching – because Gruden's done a fantastic job. So I agree with you. He did seem to have turned something around. He didn't look like the same guy that would take the ball with no vision, run into the line, and just fall down. So, uh, yeah, I see I see what you're saying there. If something happens to Jacobs, he looks like he's the next man in line. Maybe just stash him and wait and see what happens. It is funny, though, that you say, I know all the third-string running backs, but I can't pull the first-string running back name out of my hat, you know? <laughs> I don't know how that. I, I look at the waiver wires instead of the starters too much. You know, that's just that's just what I do. I, guess, right. you know, I was thinking about it before the show today. It's probably because no matter how you look at it, there's only 32 teams, so we end up talking about the same guys all the time. Yeah. That's just the nature of the beast. It's finite. There's not, it's not an infinite number of possibilities. So that's how you end up starting to look at those those fringe guys. You say, let's just find some other guys to talk about that I like, and that's that's true. All the money's coming in on Tampa Bay. 63% of that money's coming in on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know if this game's going to end up being played. I don't know if they had uh, any COVID updates or not, but I'll just let me let me just give you the numbers real quick. Tampa Bay is favored by three and a half points, and the game total is 52 points. What's the COVID situation to this morning, John? There was an update on Roto World that said everything is going to go as planned. That included all games from the update that I saw. Okay. So it looks like everything's going to go as planned. This is a great game, right? This is, an, this is a really awesome game because both teams are coming off their best performances of the season. You got the Bucks, who mopped up the Packers and look like one of the true Super Bowl contenders in the league. And then you got the Raiders, who mopped the Chiefs. They looked unbelievable. They, the Raiders look like maybe they're that fourth best team in the AFC, right? Other than the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. That could be the Raiders as that next team in line there uh, with the Titans as well. That's the top five. That's what it looks like to me. So great game. This is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um, and they will play. They just changed the time. I think maybe they moved it to four o'clock. I got to go back and check that, but the game will play. Um, so, okay. you know, betting wise, the line dropped from four to three and a half, not much going toward the Raiders, but it's 63% on the bucks. I got to think the average Joe is going to like the bucks in this game. So the sharp play is going to be the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders as well. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I'll take the Raiders to lose it by a field goal just to throw it up there and say, they're going to cover the spread. I, I agree with you. I like Oakland in this game, and I'm not going to say it's a lock or anything like that. I just uh, It seems like Tampa Bay kind of plays to their 
to their team. And I, I don't know what happened to Green Bay last week. It might have been the Tampa Bay defense is what happened to Green Bay. But John Gruden just seems to be able to pull some rabbits out of the hat every once in a while. And this one looks like a rabbit. And he's been able to prepare for a while for this game. So I am going to take those Las Vegas Raiders in this one. I said Oakland, but that's just that's that's how I roll. I was going to ask you, the Oakland Athletics, uh, they're not in the playoffs anymore. Uh, they didn't make it to the World Series, so I didn't know which Oakland team you were talking about, but you caught yourself. <laughs> uh, no, but John Gruden, though, isn't he a fun guy to root for? Because he, yeah. he had a great personality of when he did the uh, Monday night games with Mike Tirico. It was fantastic on the air. Everybody loved him. Their ratings were really good, uh, and the polls were really good for their scoring as, as announcers. They were one of the most popular duos in a long time, in a decade. Um, so that, you know, and he shows that personality. But the guy, he just loves it. He just loves football. Like you could see how excited he is to coach the guys and he's getting a really good response from this group. And by the way, they stunk last year. So mm -hmm. it's nice to see them getting better and better each year as he uh, returns to the team. So yeah, he's a fun guy to root for. And I, I root for him. He does a real good job. And I like Bruce Arians as well with the Bucks because he's a hard nosed veteran coach. And that's the type of guy that it took to lure Tom Brady to pick a team that wasn't the Patriots. He needed an old school guy who was no nonsense like Arian. So you got two coaches in this game for different reasons that you root for them. So I hope this is a great game that comes down to the wire and we can all enjoy it. They definitely got to have, I know, I know, I know there's COVID things. I know there's all this stuff and I know he's not going to play, but don't they got to put a B in the sideline in some Tampa Bay gear right in front of the Las Vegas Raiders. Don't they? Yeah. Just to make it fun for the cameras, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. What, you know, I don't know what the regulations are because it, my recollection is he's not available to play until week eight. Right. I don't know if that includes him being on the sideline. I'm not sure about the rules, but if it uh, if it doesn't, it would be funny. We could get a good laugh out of that situation. <laughs> Maybe he'll be up in the press box or something. It will be. <laughs> All right, this is the game of the week right here: Pittsburgh versus Tennessee. This is a, a, a basically a pick 'em game almost. I'm going to say that, but it's really one and a half points is on Tennessee right now. The over under or the 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 point total is at fifty fifty point five. Uh, it's really flipped on this one again, John. This one is one of those where I look at it and it makes a little X in my head because it started out as Pittsburgh being favored by one and a half. It's over to Tennessee right now. And the, the game total has dropped from 52 and a half to 50.5. John, I, I, why, why, why did it change? It sounds to me like they're thinking about coaching in this game. And Mike Vrabel is taking his game to the next level. This, this guy has gone from last year, everyone said, hey, great year. Tennessee was probably a little bit of a fluke, um, kind of not, not as bad as Jacksonville because we know the Titans have Derrick Henry, so they have a legitimate superstar to build around. And Ryan Tannehill, when he stays healthy, has always done pretty well in his career. So I wouldn't compare it to Jacksonville. That was a fluke year. But people were saying stuff like that. You heard it out there. We, we said it on this show before the year that only people are talking about the Chiefs and the Ravens and the AFC. They're not putting the Titans back up there at the top. So I think now people are starting to realize, wait a minute, the clip that you sent me, right? Didn't you send me the clip of Mike Vrabel sending the guy out there to get the 12-man penalty to stall yeah, the clock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is starting to go around now. I think people are saying, hold on. This is like the new version of the Patriots. This is a guy that came from working with Belichick, playing for Belichick, uh, and now he's taking it to this team who knocked off the Ravens and the Patriots in the playoffs last year, and now they haven't even lost a game this year. So I think that's what it is. When you ask me the question, I think people are saying they're going to get outsmarted, the Steelers, at the end of this game. As much as Mike Tomlin's a good, solid guy, a real rock-solid coach, and we like him a lot, I think as far as the genius label, it's starting to turn a little bit. I think the Titans are going to do something smart down the stretch or in the, throughout the second half of this game, 
and they're going to beat the Steelers by 10 points. I don't even think it's going to be at the spread. I think wow. you got a 10-point win for the Titans here. Wow, that's against that vaunted Pittsburgh defense, right? I mean, you're you're talking about 10 points against a Pittsburgh defense. Everybody else is looking at this one as being a very close game. And and I I guess it's basically a pick 'em. So I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. I just think that they're going to end up winning the game and I I guess that means that they'll cover the one and a half point spread. Yeah, they'll cover the one and a half and here's the thing. And this this goes back to the way I feel about how you beat the Patriots in general. Right, you beat the overtime. I'm talking about the Patriots dynasty. You beat them by taking the game at them and imposing your will and doing things your way. You don't play into their scheme. So now we're going to tie that into this game here. The Steelers' defense is number one, in my opinion. The Steelers' all-around defense is the best in the league. I've seen them a number of times this year. I saw them last year. They almost made it on the strength of their defense last year, even without Ben Roethlisberger. So to me, they are number one. So I'm not taking that away from them. And by the way, side note, I would say Tampa Bay is number two right now. They look like a tremendous all-around defense. But Tennessee, what they're going to do is they're going to say, we got our guy. Our guy is Derrick Henry, right? Our offensive line has been strong. Now they lost Lawan. That's a big loss, one of the best offensive linemen in the world. So that's a big loss for them. But just in this particular game, the Titans are going to say, our style and our guy is Derrick Henry. Your style is we have the best all-around defense. We're going to jam our guy down your throat down the stretch, and we're going to win the power of wills. So that's what's going to happen. you got to take it at them. You can't play timid against Pittsburgh. you got to be aggressive and go after them. And the way you do that is with Mr. 260 pounds coming downhill like a freight train, Mr. Derrick Henry. Oh, it's fun to watch him run. I'm sorry, that 90, 94, 97-yard run, whatever he had last week, that was just so much fun to watch. You know I was yelling at the television, my friend. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was, miss- I was just missing a stiff arm or two along the way. That's <laughs> Listen, you can't stiff arm. When you leave him in the dust, there's nobody to stiff arm, man. He took off like a rocket. Once he got through that hole, I knew he was gone. I don't care how big he is. The way he runs, I knew he was gone. I know the uh, this is supposed to be a defensive battle, a defensive struggle, but both of these offenses have performed so well that this 50-and-a-half point total seems to be in danger to me. It almost looks like I need to take the over. It could be in danger. It did drop two points, so that makes me a little bit nervous. It's going to be right around there, but it could be in danger. You're right. I mean, Tennessee, the way they're playing right now, the way they're locked in on both sides of the ball, let's say they drop close to a high 20s. How do we get there, right? It's 50 and a half, 27-24 is 51 points. So if you if you think it's going to be close to the spread, I don't. I think Tennessee is going to win it by 10. If it's close to the spread, you could easily make an argument for that, and now you're over that 50 and a half. So you could be there, my man, Wes. All right, I'm taking the over in that one. It's not a lock, but I, I like the over in that one just because mm-hmm. it seems like it's really easy to get to in today's NFL. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, I'm taking that one. All right, next one, Jacksonville versus the Los Angeles Chargers, right? Uh, I always want to call them San Diego because that's where they always are in my heart. They'll always be wearing the light blue. The Chargers are favored by seven and a half points in this one. It hasn't moved at all. The line is just exactly the same as when it started. And the point total is 49 points in this game, John. This looks like a... It looks like an easy win to me for the Chargers because Jacksonville's got to go all the way across, all the way to L.A. L.A.'s ready to go, and Jacksonville just hasn't been playing that well. That It does seem that way, right? It, at first glance, it seems like you're going to take the Chargers because Herbert right now is like the talk of the league, right? With the exception of a few guys, he's up there in the top three or four or five most talked about players in the league right now. Um, so you look at that and you say, oh, that's a sexy play. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers, and I want to say off the top, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying it feels a little bit fishy 
that the line is staying on all six books, the top ones in the country, at seven and a half, right? And the reason why that's fishy is the average person is going to look at it and they're going to say, well, let's see, Chargers, maybe I'm going to take them to win this game by 10, right? So they, that seven and a half line is holding there. They, they'll win it by 10. I'm not worried about it. But what it does is leaving it at seven and a half leaves it perfectly at the spot where if the Jaguars lose it by a touchdown, they're going to cover for those betters. You see, what I, you see what I'm saying there? It hasn't moved. It hasn't gone seven or eight. There's not, it's not giving you any information. So it's like, oh, those Jacksonville people, they're going to jump in there and they're going to win this game when they lose the game by a touchdown. So it's, a real, it's really tricky. I mean, what do you think? That line is very bizarre. We have, I don't think we've seen that all season, right? I don't think so either. I, as you were saying it, I was trying to think of the same thing, and I just – no movement at all. That's just mm. weird. It's just weird. I, Vegas isn't that good, and I don't know what they're trying to tell me. And I, and, and I don't think the people know either because it's almost – it's 46-54. 54 exactly. is laying on, on Los Angeles. I, I don't know what to do. Exactly, yeah. I think that the right betting play here is going to be to take Jacksonville, and I think the right football play is going to be to take the Chargers. And I'm glad we had one of these on the schedule this week because the, what does that mean to the people that are betting at large? Run away from this game, right? Because you got two different answers. you got two answers competing with each other. You have the right betting play, the sharp, and then you have the right football play, the Chargers here. So uh, I would lay off of this game for betting. Uh, if I had to, I guess I would take the Chargers. The one guy I like in DFS who's starting to come up, the arrow's going upward, is Mike Williams. So Mike Williams is starting to look like he's settled into his zone here with Herbert, and also Chark got 14 targets last week. So my two receivers in this game, I'm looking at Chark for Jacksonville, and I'm looking at Mike Williams for the Chargers. Okay. What about that backfield for the Chargers? <sighs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like people abandoned Kelly, and I've been saying that all week. I feel like people are like, oh, jo for the first three, four, five weeks, everyone's talking Josh Kelly this, Josh Kelly that. Then he finally gets an opportunity with Eckler out, and he doesn't play particularly well, and everybody jumps off the ship in one week. So I don't like that. I don't like when the story's been one particular way all year, and now you get a little bit of information going the other way, and then you just abandon it. So I think Kelly's my guy between him and Jackson here uh, for this particular week. And you and I have been right. I think James Robinson's starting to taper off a little mm -hmm. bit for the Jaguars. So if I had to play considering the price point in DFS, I think out of the running backs, I'm going to take Josh Kelly this week. Okay, I could see that, and I'm going to take the Jags as well. I just can. I, it's mostly the points. I'm taking the points, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to do here at this point. Okay, John, that's all the games we got to talk about this week. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Fantasy uh, Impact Today show. What are you running away from the Bears game? Uh, that's John Frisella right there at Legend Sports Seven. You can find him on Twitter. I, I don't want to talk about this Bears game. This to me. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't Why? want to. I, because I'm really scared about this Bears game. I, I, I am scared. I, I talked about injuries earlier, and I think every single Bear will get injured in this game. I'm scared of the Los Angeles Rams. I think they're going to tear us up, I, shred us to bits. And this game is at 45 points for a point total. It's at minus six on the on the Rams. I would take the Rams if it was minus 20. Now, this may be the Bears fan in me, and you know how I am. Uh, I, 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 okay, I... Fine, fine. I bit into the Nick Foles apple whenever he first got put in there. Okay, fine, I did that. But after that, it has been doom and gloom ever since then, right? I mean, I have just, I am never going to take them on my fit picks again. It will always be the opposite team because until that, until that stops, 
<laughs> my Bears are five and one, but until that stops, I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna hinder this team at all. I will always pick the opposite team. But in my brain, the Los Angeles Rams are going to demolish my Bears on national TV on Monday night. This does not look pretty to me at all. You know what? I just like you just tried to sign off the show in the middle there and try to abandon this game. I'm gonna sign off because you're complaining about the Bears. They're five and one. Try being a Jets fan, my friend. Let's try. Let's take a drive across the country. Come over here if they let you with with the coronavirus restrictions. Come over here, sit down in front of a TV, put on a Jet shirt, watch one of those games, and then try to see what life is like. You're five and one. What are you complaining about? Five and one. Unbelievable. They, you know, with but with the Bears on this game, I can tell. Yeah, well, with the Bears. So I, when I look at them, offensively, they don't. They're just not that talented. Mm-hmm. Can I? I mean, Allen Robinson, he is really good, but he's a man out there on an island getting thrown. And, and Nick Foles is throwing him coconuts. It looks like because he can't get the ball very far, very fast. All right, so he's throwing him coconuts. And David Montgomery's out there looking for a hole to run in, and there's just no holes to be found, or he doesn't find the holes. So Nick Foles is dishing off the the pass to him. I, I just don't think they're that talented offensively to be able to hang with the Los Angeles Rams, who are going to find a way to put up points against anybody's defense. Yeah, although I think maybe you're overestimating the Rams' offense right now because uh, did you watch that game against the 49ers? Well, I mean, the only, the only guy who had a pulse was Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson looks like a monster, the running back. But, you know, I think they're not the Rams of old, and I and we've talked about that before. The problem with them is they're not stretching the field. The only thing is you know your own team, and this is a very strong reaction. I've never seen you had a reaction like this. So I'm going to throw my own thoughts out the window, and I'm going to go with you on this one, just hey. on the fact that you know your own team. I don't care what the situation is. I'm taking the Rams to cover the spread. I'm taking the Rams to run away with it because Wes basically is thinking we're 5-1, and one, but maybe we should really be three and three. That's what I feel like you're thinking. So it's going to start to even out, and they're going to start to lose some of these games. So I'm going with you, my man. I'm taking the Rams. I I am too, and I'm staying away from the point total on this. 45 is one of those weird spots. It just kind of looks like that's where it should be. Uh, if anything, I would take the under on that. The only shot we got on Monday night, uh, when I say we, now all of a sudden I'm a fan, is if Mac just goes crazy again. But I have seen him be negated many times in a ball game where I don't even know that he's on the field at times. And, and so I just negated speaking of negated before I forget why, why isn't every team in the league just double teaming Allen Robinson, every play, the same thing they do to Mac, right? So you're right about that. Eventually these teams are going to say, let's Robinson and Mac, let's double team them. And then that's it. We're covered. We're covered on both sides of the field. You feel the same way? I do. I, they could, and that'd be it. And good luck to good luck. Good luck. Go f- go find your Cole Komets in the end zone again if you can get past the 20-yard line of the opposing side. Kevin <laughs> Hester's not coming out there on the field and saving and this team. It's a 5-1 and one record. You're talking about them like they're 0-6. I can't. You're driving me crazy over here, buddy. Hey, John. Great show. We've got a lot of good things headed up, uh, headed our way for the listeners as well. As we get into the end of this season, as we get into the end of the year, the Fantasy Impact Today Network is going to reward you, our listeners, our faithful, loyal, fit family. You, we're, we're looking in and putting in some deals to be able to give some giveaways. So be staying tuned in for that here on every podcast that we have here on the Fit Network. John, I know you're excited about that as well. Yes, very excited. I'm happy. Hopefully, we'll make we'll continue to make connections uh, in the industry. We'll bring in some prizes for our fans. Uh, we'll we'll network with some different companies. So, looking forward to the expansion of the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to my friend Wes Easley for for spending all his personal time uh, hosting all of these shows across the board with JB. 
uh, and also with our other guy, Pierre, and uh, a bunch of DFS Dreamers and the Fantasy Magnets Fit Network. So hats off to my partner here, uh, and hopefully I can do my own to uh, contribute as well. Okay. Yes. And before we leave, though, we got to give our breadwinners. And I circled a couple of them for me. You said I had to go an odd number. I don't know if I went odd or not, but these are my breadwinners. Washington, taking Washington this week uh, Mm -hmm. to cover. uh, There is no spread, so he doesn't have to cover the bread. It's almost just a a regular old pick one. Uh, Carolina to cover that. I got seven points coming at me with Carolina and I'm taking the, I said the, I said the over, did I say the over on the 50 points or did I say the under? No, oh, man. It was the game where the line dropped. It was. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at all the games at once now, so I don't remember which one it was. But the line dropped about four points, and it was a game where both teams looked like they were sexy offenses. That was Carolina and New Orleans. Yeah. So you took the under in that game, and I, I said that was probably a sharp play. Yeah, well, that's because I'm a sharp guy. So, yes, I'm taking the under on that. I circled it, and so my circle ran into my U, and I couldn't tell if that was a U or an O. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, really sharp right here. I did a lot of drawing. You take notes to manage your own brain. It's like the day goes on and you go, Wes did that. Did you ever see the movie Memento? No. Okay, let me. I know we're running out of time. I'll just throw this quickly in there. By the way, it's the same director of the Christopher Nolan who directed Inception. So, <laughs> so and wait, wait, wait. You're gonna you're gonna crack up. You, I don't recommend that you watch this. So I'll just tell you off the top. The whole movie is in reverse. So the movie starts at the end of the story and gets back to the beginning all the way in reverse with the same director. So you had Inception with the Dreams where you don't know what year it was or what your name was, upside down, backwards, forwards. And then you have this one that starts at the end and goes to the beginning with the same director. It's the same situation you have here. And the reason why I bring it up, the main character in the movie has memory loss. So not only is the is the action going backwards, he's forgetting what he did, and he keeps writing things down on notepads. He's got notes and, and uh, drips and drabs all over the place. So that's you. It's like every day you're writing down notes to say, Wes did this at 2.20 today. <laughs> I got to. I, I have to do that. And by the way, we, we've done a good show. I want this show to go out unedited. I'm going to, I may unedit We might be just throwing this out there to the world. I may not sit down and edit this one because yes, I, sure, I forget some things, but we, we did a pretty good job all the way throughout this, this show. Whenever we slow down, I can slow down and then my brain doesn't have to function as fast. And so I don't have to throw a lot of things out there. But uh, when, when, when I put this out there unedited, I wonder if Vegas is going to put a line total on how many mistakes I made. You know? <laughs> well, you could put one up for yourself after the games. You could do a recap. Of West predictions, but yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, my friend. Let's let it rock. Uh, listen, hey man, all those radio stations out there, you your guys call in sick or or coronavirus is going around the station. You need somebody to fill in. You Wait. got big city and big country right here. We we go unedited. This is you got it right here. This episode, no cuts, no no magic tricks, uh, no smoke and mirrors. This is it, man. This was the show. Uh, my other one. Let me get back to my breadwinner. The mm-hmm. other one is going to be my Houston. Uh, I like Houston uh, with uh, getting three and a half points as well. I like that one. I think they're at home against Green Bay too. So I, I really like that one. Yeah, yeah, they're home, and that that was definitely a sucker's play to take Green Bay. Again, we don't know what's really going to happen in the end, but it looks like they're just baiting you to take Green Bay. So um, as far as the breadwinners go, I do have to agree on one of them. I do like Washington, as I said earlier. Uh, I got to take them because they're crossing over. And last week, the crossovers only went one and two when they normally would go two and one. So I'm going to take Washington as one of those games. I'm going to go with my gut feeling just to throw, just to show that not everything is a system. And I'm going to take Seattle to, to backdoor that spread late to cover that spread as number two. Uh, and then I'm going to take Tennessee because I feel confident in the coaching. So I'm going to go with those. I'm going to go Washington, Seattle, and Tennessee as my breadwinners right now in one and two. Hopefully I'll go three and all this week. 
I'll have to listen back and find out what my breadwinner record is. I'll have to listen back to last week's show because I can't find that piece of paper I wrote things down on. Check your post-its that you got written all over the house and and, uh, put Memento in there on your DVD player. That's the name of the movie that goes backwards to front, Memento. And then, uh, you know, if you put that together, the movie with your notes, you'll figure out what your picks were last week. They they don't have that on VHS. Oh, you know, uh, they I think they do have it on VHS. But what sure. what is the I don't even know what that is. You know, I uh, I started watching a new show. We talked about some scary things and all that, and, and a new movie and all those things. Yeah. You know, I start, you know what I started watching. I don't know if I'm like a I don't I don't know what age I am and if I'm not an 18 year old girl or something. I don't I don't know. I, I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've never seen it before. How is it? It's all right. It's it's all right. It's it's actually it's it's amusing. It's kind of amusing. They're they're very they're they're pretty funny actually. I I find it I find it funny. That was a funny setup. You you built it up. Buffy the Vampire. So it was a whole build up. How is it? It's all right. <laughs> totally bad. I thought you'd be like it's great. I'm loving it. But uh, actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I'm and you know me. I don't you know talk about guy girl stuff this and that. I don't believe in any of that stuff. If it's good, it's good. You yes. can watch it. I don't judge anybody for watching it. I just have to be honest. I've never seen one episode of that show, so I I can't I can't weigh in. The only thing I do know is Sarah Michelle Gellar. I remember that made her into a star. Other than that, I don't know much about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is very well written. I've enjoyed the writing aspect of things. You know, I I can I can look at things and 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 go past the surface. I hope as I observe it and I give my criticisms or my uh, displeasures in it. And and this one is very well written. It's it you I think you would like it because you would go wow that is very wise that is that is very I don't know what I don't know if it's, if it's wise it's smart it's something like that it's just very it's different and it's original so that's it, good that's good that's a really good point because I think in in all that for me in all these shows the plot doesn't matter that much and the same goes for movies I I I'll be honest with you for me watching and I've been like this very into it my entire life. It's about the strength of the writing and the original ideas, what you just talked about, and the performances. I believe in movie stars. I, I believe – because I don't like what's happening to the industry in general, that they're making it all about the superheroes and they're making it about fantasy more than the performers. Um, there's a difference. You could watch the movie. It's like a football team, right? Football's football. You're all playing the same game. It's up to the coaches and the personnel to play it differently than the other teams and win. The same thing with movies and television shows. You could have the same story with 10 different sets of actors that they're going to have a different ranking from one to 10 and how good the story went because the actors are the key and the way they play the performance. So for me, it's all about the writing and the performance. That's my opinion. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm kind of giving it a bad thought is because it's starting to get into like girl crushes and boy crushes. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, that's part of the storyline now. And I'm, you know, I could, I'm just not into high school crushes. That's all. Yeah. That well, I mean, that's what, that's what it was at the time. So, you know, you may have reached the point of the show where you can't watch it anymore, but I, I specifically remember without even watching the show that it was a big deal in like high school and middle school. So yeah. that was the audience. So you, you might be reaching the point where they went toward their audience because they were so popular and there's nothing you could do to go back from that. I agree. But Hey, John, great show. Lots of information. We talk about everything, and I totally agree with you. If somebody calls in sick, you just you just call up us, and we'll 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 step in for them, and we'll be able to fill two three hours. We we were just getting started today, and it's it's been two hours almost, John. So I really do appreciate you, and I love the friendship and the time that we get to spend together. You got it, my friend. It's always my pleasure. Yep, this is definitely a super show, right? When we go over an hour, we call yeah. it a super show. So we got one here, uh, and again at Legend Sports Seven, John Frisella at Loafinit, Wes Easley. Uh, Fit Network, the Fit Fam, baby. We're doing it every which way. So keep tuning in, and we'll keep hitting you up with the good information. 
at FI Today is where you can find that show, at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM. Make sure you like, you subscribe, you do everything you can to be able to support the show some way, some shape, some form. And don't forget, let everybody know about it that you can. If you could tag somebody, if you could send it out to somebody, we'd really appreciate it. Whatever you can do, FitFam, to help this show grow. You've done a great job with that so far, and we want to encourage you to keep doing those those things. Uh, if you're on the iTunes app, make sure you slap those stars. You can leave a review. But more importantly than anything else that you've done, we always want to encourage you to go out into the world and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.